Welcome to Soapbox. Uh, we're here today talking about Scout uh, by Jason Aaron and Aaron Guerra. Guerra? Guerra. Uh, with J. David Osborne, whom we're very happy to have with us. Hello, David. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. I'm super fucking stoked. I love your show and I love this comic book. So, big thank you to you guys for having me on. <laughs> it's our pleasure uh and yeah i didn't i didn't even know about this comic until uh you and kelby were talking about it on agitator and then we're like you were like damn it it doesn't have any japanese people in it so <laughs> and kurt was immediately like uh we should fucking do that because that's a really good comic um yeah. and it was uh i don't really know how to start or how to take it from there because i have so many thoughts and feelings about this thing well, I'm curious to know what Kurt's history with it is, because for me, I started getting the single issues in 07. Mm -hmm. I would get them in my box at the comic shop, and <clears throat> I thought it was the coolest shit that had ever been made, because I was yeah. really into Deadwood, and I was really into The Wire, and Aaron is super uh, influenced by those things. I went to go uh, meet Aaron when he came to Atomic Comics in Oklahoma City, in like 2008 or whatever, but I was too, I, in 2008, I would have been uh, 20, 21, right? So I was like too shy to talk to him or say anything. So I just kind of was like, oh, it's a good comic book, man. And <laughs> just kind of went on my way. And uh, so I was like the biggest super fan ever. But then because I was young and fucking stupid, once it hit that arc where you get all the backstories of, you know, falls down and catcher and Wade and all that kind of shit, month after month after month after month i was like where is this going and i'm ashamed to say that i gave up on its initial run so i have wow. the single issues through like 30 uh and i didn't finish it until yesterday when i oh, was reading it for the show yeah so oh this, this is actually funny because i had never finished it either yeah. i had gotten up to i think it was the next to last arc mm -hmm. uh, basically where um uh bad horse and uh gina separate mm -hmm. and then like i it might have been a few issues after that but then it stopped um i also have a weirdly so my story i i think how i discovered this comic was actually i was i briefly worked for vertigo i was a, oh cool i did i did a, <clears throat> i did a i did a single issue for them and then i did like a longer graphic novel and while i was talking with the editors um and meeting and hanging out i was like what do you guys recommend like what is what is it what if what if people what do you think people are overlooking and the guy brought out like three volumes of scout and was like this and uh and it was it, <laughs> vertigo dc was really funny because you could basically if you wanted to you could go out of that building with like 40 fucking graphic novels however many you wanted to carry they would just give them to you Fuck uh, so yeah. yeah it was it was that's like the sickest they... shit i've ever heard bro that's like <laughs> first of all that you work for vertigo and secondly that you got a bunch of free shit those are my two favorite things right like yeah. getting work and getting free shit uh, i mean but no I for mean... real that's that's dope as fuck man what did you draw uh <clears throat> it was a series called the unwritten and I did. Oh, that sounds familiar. I'm looking it up, bro. <clears throat> there was a. Ass. It's uh, the author is this guy Mike Carey, and the artist 
was Peter Gross. He was the main book. Wow. I remember when this came out, dude. <laughs> no fucking way. I remember this cover. This fu- That is so sick, man. Legend. And, and um, and it, it has like a weird, it, it, the, yeah. the, the premise for it is basically that this guy's father wrote in that, in the fictional world, wrote the equivalent of Harry Potter. Yeah. And, as he's in a he's like a broken adult and like he's kind of like coasting on his yes. father's success but he comes to find out that like the literary world is actually real and like is mm-hmm. a place he can visit so um I'll, so the initial issue i did was this uh it was about this i i think he might have he might have been like a a a uh a cockney accented like hitman or something that had been trapped Mm-hmm. in uh basically a, a peter rabbit world and Dude. it's this it's this rabbit running around with all these cute critters and he's just swearing at everything and he hates everything <laughs> it was Dude, like... i swear to i swear to god if i if i if we weren't podcasting right now i would make you sit there and i would go out to my garage and i'd pull out the unwritten because i know i know where the unwritten is that is so fucking sick bro uh but yeah, man. I mean, uh, it makes sense to me that people were really pushing Scalped because you could even see it in the end notes of each volume. So I read the deluxe versions, mm. and at the end they have, you know, I think Garth Ennis is one, Aaron writes one, uh, a bunch of other big comics writers at the time. They all had something to say, and they, they keep saying at the end of it, like, <clears throat> this book isn't selling, uh-huh. <laughs> and... Well, you guys need to talk about it because this is this is big shit, right? But I think that what was going on with Scalped, I had a very uh, uh, similar experience to this from the opposite end with The Walking Dead, okay? Mm. Because I didn't, I watched the first episode of The Walking Dead when it came out, and then I watched like the second and was like, nah, not for me. But my wife and I went back and rewatched The Walking Dead because I played Death Stranding and fell mm. in love with Norman Reedus. And so I wanted more Norman Reedus in my life. So I was like, do you want to watch The Walking Dead? And we became obsessed with it. <clears throat> and so we watched all 10 seasons. Uh, we caught up and then we watched the 11th season kind of as it happened. And The Walking Dead famously has that first episode of season seven where a character is introduced who murders two prominent characters with a baseball bat right Mm. Negan comes out with a baseball bat it's got barbed wire wrapped around it all of your favorite main characters are on their knees in front of him and he beats the fuck out of him with this baseball bat and there are graphs that show you know uh uh the walking dead's viewership was up around eight or ten million per episode and then that episode happened it was huge it was like 12 million people and then it dropped to four million after that because people saw that and they were just like i'm out so what i learned from that because it is a rough episode and it's difficult to get through like some issues of scalped are but because i was able to binge it we could just power through you see what i'm saying like people who are watching the walking dead we they had to wait a week between every episode with it yeah and then they had to wait a year for the next season so when season seven happens it's really good and that that particular incident i think works in the context of the show season eight is the worst season but my wife and i were able to power through it in 10 hours and then we're out the other end we're on to season nine and we're good we didn't have to wait 
So I think that's what happened to me with Scalped with some of these issues where because there's a month between each one, I would pick it up and I'd be like, oh, fucking good. Now we get the backstory of, you know, (laughs) Carol's fucking nanny or whatever, you know, which when you read it all at once, when you're just, you know, tearing through it, it's like 1200 pages, but it's a comic book. So you can read the whole thing in five or six hours when you're tearing through it. It's like, it really works. And I think that's an interesting tension between serialized storytelling and being able to digest the whole narrative as it, you know, no, as a whole as a whole yeah and and it's generally they're the people that write them tend to think more about the collected volumes honestly than they do the single issues it's a it's mm-hmm. a hard business and it's like it's like anybody that can write a good comic is like it's fucking miraculous that they they even work um but yeah i at a certain point i stopped i couldn't do monthlies anymore I, I was yeah. like, I, I'm just going to wait for this to, because the other thing that would happen sometimes is like shit would just stop. Like it's supposed to be a hundred issues. It would get to 16 and that would be it. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't selling mm-hmm. enough, whatever. And then it's just done. And yeah. that would, that would be really disappointing. Like if you were starting to get really involved in something. Yeah. The um, worst one for me was uh young liars getting canceled. Do you remember young liars? It was uh-uh. a, it was a David Laugham comic book oh shit are you a fan of stray bullets i love stray bullets Hold yeah on. me too I, oh my god yeah I, I keep it close i keep this close yeah, just so I got, that i can i got that, that same tome somewhere around here. yeah i got the i got the uber Alles edition but i'm a huge dave laffham fan and uh young liars was his uh psychedelic lynchian Mulholland Drive uh, weirdo comic, right? Where, you know, different layers of reality were constantly shifting and, you know, characters were inhabiting other characters' bodies. And this girl was, had a bullet in her brain. So she was like, it was such a cool fucking comic book, but he had to wrap it up. I think literally you nailed it. I think it was like 16 issues and it had to be done. And I was like, it was cool because it's Laugh'em. So he just made sure to make it really fucking weird. Yeah. And just every issue, like everybody's identities have changed and they're in some different scenario. And I, I fucked with it heavy uh, <laughs> on some like, you know, Mulholland Drive type shit. But like that one really bummed me out because I would have loved to have seen 60 issues of Young Liars or, you know, even like however many issues that is of Stray Bullets, you know. It's funny with Straight Bullets. I, f- I don't feel like it's finished, even though that whole Uber Alice thing is like together. I feel like there's an it's like mid story almost. Yeah. The, well, he keeps going too. Like every once yeah. in a while, there'll be a Stray Bullets revival that's really weird. There'll be five or six issues that just kind of come out. And he's uh-huh. like, okay, here's a new. Uh, I'm talking out of my ass because I don't know what it's called because I haven't read it. But I do specifically remember that Stray Bullets had a like a 2015 revival or something like that. And there were five or six issues that came out, but uh, yeah, it's one of those stories. I mean, to be fair, Laugh'em could just do it because he, <laughs> he, he draws it too. Yeah. You know? So could just put it out if you wanted to, <laughs> but Hey, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't even know where I was going with any of that. I just love fucking comic books. I consider myself a comic book writer, even though I write 
books, right? I'm I'm mm. 100% influenced by comic books. I I don't I don't read a whole bunch of novels. Uh, I play video games and read comic books and uh that's just where I that's just what I think is cool. So <laughs> that's that's kind of awesome I, actually. But I can't yeah. draw. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's great though to to try and bring that vibe to a novel. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, especially, and it seems like, judging by the reviews, it seems like uh, you're hitting the mark with that, with Dying World. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, they, uh, people, people are understanding, because like my, um, my first few novels are very sort of grim and, and serious and morose crime, crime fiction uh, with like surreal elements. Uh, I was very influenced at the time by things like Scalped. Uh, mm. So my first novel came out in 2010. So I was I was reading Scalps at like right around uh, at the that same time. time. Is yeah, it uh, yeah. by the time we leave us leave here we'll yeah. be friends? Yeah. yeah, which I just I just read actually. It's a really oh, awesome cool. book. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really weird book because I uh, it just feels like so far. It's so old now. You know, I was like I was 23, and I was oh, like wow, reading, yeah. I was reading these comic books and I was just trying to do this kind of dark shit or whatever uh and where i'm at now i'm much more interested in being like pulpy and funny and uh, <laughs> back then i was not trying to be funny like yeah. at all i was like no this is very this is very serious this fucking I, throat I, opens up <laughs> i feel like that matches like a, a a personal line of of uh story but also one of the world too it's almost like as the world got started taking itself more seriously you also entered this place so so there's like a whatever's going on personally you're also like on purpose or not responding to like what's called for it seems like mm-hmm. i i think there's also like if you're there's like a young crave like if you're a creative writer artist whatever and you're doing stories there's always this like happy endings are, are lame they're for pussies like, everybody needs to <laughs> yeah. die at the end that's yeah that's yeah, real yeah. art man it yeah, is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everybody's everybody's despairing, and you know, I, I, bro, I ended my second novel with like the character literally running down a road, like a metaphor for running away from his problem. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and when I was when I was writing it, I was like, "This is the hardest shit ever." Like, <laughs> but now I'm like, Ooh, uh, I don't know. It could have been a little funnier. I mean, could have had him. A- slip on a banana peel or some shit like that would have been really funny fall into a sewer yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly but no man i think that uh yeah i i've always uh for my new novel i was just really inspired by like akira and ghost in the shell and then i started playing uh cyberpunk 2077 on the mm. ps5 and like i just fell in love with with that world and um I think that writers have this this idea that they have to create everything from scratch, which is kind of what I thought. Like, okay, yeah. what's what's my world? How does it work? But like, I played Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and I was like, what if I just stole all of this? Like, <laughs> who, who would who would care? You know, like so as I'm writing it, it's just it's in that world, but I'm just calling things different. different. I'm like the Chinese Apple store. No, it's it's funny. That's very Japanese of you because that is a very Japanese thing to just like right. 
because they're, they're famous for like there's a there's a there disrespecting was certain, ip <laughs> yeah like, it's like a, there's a famous there's a famous video game where you go into a, like it's a cyberpunk game and you go into a bar and at the bar is the alien the terminator robocop and something else i don't remember what they're all just hanging out at the bar <laughs> it's don't give a shit <laughs> that's the sickest shit ever dude no, right. i love that i love that shit i watched this documentary once called uh sinophobia and it was about china not japan but a similar in their disrespect for ip where uh, and it was explaining the doc the point of the documentary was to point out the seven uh, uh key points of chinese culture that westerners don't understand and i don't remember the other six but one of them i, I that i really internalized was they don't give a shit about ip like they don't care like if yeah. you if you made something but they can do the exact same thing but make it cheaper then they don't like they don't see a problem with that yeah. basically it's like that's that's fine and i was like ah perfect because i have you know i have a lot of friends who have worked in indie publishing and one of the curses of indie publishing is that though you get to do anything that you want to do you also run a real risk of being ripped off by mm. uh, more mainstream creators who are sort of circling the indie scenes and seeing what they can poach right i have uh -huh. one friend who who there's one have you ever seen the movie under the silver lake no, no. it's like got uh the guy who played spider-man uh it was the I've second movie it. yeah it was like the second movie from the guy who made it follows right he made it follows and then oh he made under, really uh, yeah un under the silver lake was a second movie and my buddy dave keaton wrote a book called the last projector and the similarities between those books are so idiosyncratic and mm. it's it's a hundred percent certain that this guy read this book and put it into his movie, right? So I've had yeah. a lot of friends where that happens to, where like they spend all this time creating this world and then somebody who's already there just kind of swoops in and says, Oh, I'll take that. You know, it's different enough so that, you know, plausible deniability or whatever. And yeah. I was like, Oh, so the key is if you're an indie writer steal from other people instead that way nobody can steal from you right yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the key so i'll steal from cyberpunk 2077 and tetsuo and akira and kind of make it my own and it's like nobody can really rip me off because if they rip me off they're ripping off cyberpunk which... yeah i kind of cool. used that uh that philosophy when back when i wrote music a lot and um because i would get something stuck in my head that i really liked and it would just repeat and it would be maddening, right? But over mm -hmm. time, that it would it would change and and warp just a little bit, and it would be like, oh, this is technically not the same riff anymore. And I've been writing lyrics over it for three days, um, and I just like sit down and crap it out. And I'm like, yeah, this is unrecognizable, even though it's completely ripped off because this other song was stuck in my head. No, one dude, the the real creativity happens once you have. There's like two levels to creativity, and one of them is building this kind of foundation, like the world that people can play in. And then there's the the fun creativity part where you can make dick jokes and have mm. characters talk to each other and fuck and all that kind of fun stuff. And it's like just bypass the first part, just rip something <laughs> off, right? You want to like write a book? There's plenty of books, movies, TV shows, and video games out there that have made amazing world. I have a buddy right now uh, who's doing like a Star Trek riff. And mm -hmm. as we talk about on the phone, he's like, yeah, it's Star Trek, but it's like my Star Trek. And I was like, sick. Yeah, what, that's what, what I do. You know what's funny, though, is like you saying that, like the actually the best Star Trek show out right now is actually the Orville, 
which was mm. made as a comedy mockery of Star Trek and actually ended shit. up yeah I love it too it actually ended up being better than any fucking Star Trek show that's yeah. out right now it's, it's so crazy funny. it's yeah. so fucking funny it's like when they're trying to like elect a leader that episode is like such a a a, a window into how human people like how human beings work basically mm. and they're like I don't know how far you've gotten in the show I don't want to I've watched the whole thing point. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, there's, like, the rebel guy who's, like, a candidate, and then there's uh, Hugh Laurie. Am I talking about the same show? Is this the right show? Where Hugh Laurie is the, 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 uh, the no, captain maybe not. of it? Maybe this is something Avenue. Oh, you're right. My bad. Yeah. I'm retarded. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, this is this is something, something. What, what is the Orville? I, th- I thought it was the same the, show. The, uh, it's, it, well, it's really ridiculous because the Orville is um, uh, what the, the family guy, dude. Uh, oh okay 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 which okay, okay. which immediately is like 10 strikes against it in my book but then it's too right. good it's right, like he right. made something that's just it's like i think it's probably the best thing he's ever made honestly yeah yeah i mean it's like I, I have i have an idea for like a like an indiana jones riff and i was thinking about all these like what if because i went down this rabbit hole of going back and reading all these old rob mcgregor uh indiana jones novelizations basically like the white witch and stuff like that Huh. I was like, what if, oh man, like I, it would be so sick to write an Indiana Jones novel. And then I was like, oh, wait, I can just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and nobody can stop me if I change his name. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering when the, uh, when the, like the Tomb Raider novel is going to come out. Like, cause Tomb I know Raider, that's coming yeah. at some point from you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the Tomb Raider is really good. My idea for the Tomb Raider. Well, I don't know if I should say, I have a really sick idea, uh, but then I'll, I'll keep it to my yeah. Well, no, actually, in the in the spirit of just like IP and you know whoever wants to take it, take it. If you write it before me, you win. But I had a really cool idea that I want to. I'm either gonna put it into like the Dying World series, or I'll do a separate one for this one. But I had this mm-hmm. cool idea that in the future uh, there would be a Lara Croft, Indiana Jones type figure uh, that is tasked with destroying things from the past, right? Because oh wow, the world ends in you know nuclear conflagration or whatever and uh there's like a a high council of this new civilization that whenever they find something from the past they uh they send this guy out to like go find this shit before anybody else does and destroy it and i wanted to do uh the first like book in area 51 like so a thousand years in the future somebody has to go to area 51 and there's like a whole like there's a tunnel that is uh under the united states apparently that goes from like uh like la kind of like to area 51 and i thought it'd be cool to have like an action archaeology futuristic thing set in that tunnel where a thousand years in the future aliens who were in area 51 that broke out created their own civilization in this tunnel and so they're like they're just as much earthlings as we are now but they also have like sharp teeth and like sticks and shit and like our hero has to maneuver through this to go try to find like element 115 or whatever and and destroy it but it's like you know an indiana jones but like where indiana jones is always like you know it belongs in a museum this hero would be like i have to fucking we have to erase the past completely like we have to destroy it (laughs) So if you can, so listeners, if you can write that before I write that, good for you. Um, 
This is not, yeah, I don't I don't share any of my ideas because I don't know if I'll ever get to them. <laughs> if I just sit on it, it's still mine. Nobody might have written it in 30 years. I don't know. You yeah, know? right, 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 right. Yeah. Like no, it's like it's it's kind of like a challenge, right? It's like uh, you know, like if again, if you can beat me to it, then you yeah. then you win, you know. So uh, going back to that two tiers of creativity, the like the world creation and then the like lived in part. Um do you think that people get stuck like wanting because I have this image in my head of like like it's it's actually not that difficult to just kind of disengage from from being obsessed with the one and like kind of just take it from somewhere else and refit it a little bit and then get to building the actual story mm -hmm. uh, it kind of strikes me as people getting stuck on like really wanting to imprint themselves on the world and make this like I want I want what's in me to become a world and I, it's like this I think it's like a romanticized because that, that would stop me in the past, like wanting to, like, oh, I have to create this whole huge thing first, and it has to all be cool and original before I can even like start. Mm -hmm. But that's actually, at some point, it clicked that that's actually just an ego thing. Like you're just it is trying, an ego thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just trying yeah, really yeah. hard to like force what's uh -huh. inside of you to become this magical thing that everyone loves, and it's yeah. it's like that's not what it's about. Like that's not what it's like about when you're all. when you're fucking when you're talking to like your girlfriend or your wife or whatever and and then y'all start having sex like when you're having sex you're like how is this also me how am i expressing myself in this current act you know or if you're playing with like gi joes and shit you're like how is this also me how do i explain to the world that this is also a me thing that's kind of how i see it dude it's like you're 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 playing it's it's all it's all play and a lot of writers do unfortunately i think like one of the it's kind of like a, a, a hook that can get you into writing is this kind of ego-based, you know, how do I put my own imprint on this thing? How do I make it my own? And uh, any attempts to do that will completely fuck it up. The same way as like mm -hmm. trying to imprint anything on a, you know, having sex or playing with G.I. Joes will kind of like ru ruin the fun of the whole thing. Like you just mm -hmm. take one army man and you make that army man hit the other army man and you go... <laughs> <laughs> and then you got a cool story, you know? And you didn't imprint anything by doing that. You're just having fun. Yeah. Uh, I hope that made sense. Yeah, yeah it did make sense. Forget how to have fun. I think that's the problem. Hold they on. Like, yeah. how to actually do that when they're alone and like and go to that that place of vulnerability to just like wee. I need to check on my dog. It's barking. Hold on. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah you got to do that. <clears throat> Dogs, uh, That's... my dog is old. My dog's yeah, getting I've old. been keeping up on the dog drama. <laughs> yeah, my dog's just old. She sucks. I, I, the she last sucks. episode, I'm catching up on a few episodes I had but I heard, like, the one you just looked over and you're like, it's actually easier to just let you pee on the floor right now. <laughs> I'm so hard about that shit. <laughs> it is, man. It's I'm so just relatable. like, oh, look at this. Who is this? Yeah, this is, this is the other, this is the story. Who is this? Show. Come on, say hello. <laughs> hello. This is this is Serling, named after Rod Serling. Although Rod Serling. we never actually, That's good. yeah. Uh, although we actually, uh, we never call him that. We just call him Bubby. Bubby's good. Yeah, it's good. Him Serling. I didn't even know that was his fucking name. Yeah, is that a like, water dog or a Bichon or what? Is, what is? He's uh, a Maltese. A Maltese. God yeah. damn it! I suck with dogs. I'm just like, he's what a, is that? He's a, a, it's a tiny tyrant is probably what that translates into. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, I think that uh, when it comes to like, I don't know, yeah, like creative stuff, I think that people have, um, it's really weird, man, because like, I don't know if you saw this in comics, I'm sure you did, but uh, people have crazy egos about this shit, and yeah. uh, I don't know, I feel like if I, if my ego was that big, I would go do something that would make me money so that I could be really rich. Because being rich sounds sick. It sounds cool. Like, having a bunch of money sounds... But, like, I do the writing thing, and I'm sure you illustrate for the same reason. It's, like, because it's fucking cool and fun and... Yeah, and then and then after a while, it's, it's like you then... don't know how to do anything else. Yeah, if it's that not part... cool, then then why are you... You see yeah. all, this, all, the, all this stuff online, uh, you know, people who are like... Oh, really rough day today. I just, you know, the words weren't coming and I feel a lot of self-doubt and I read that and I'm, you know, sitting in my chair just naked and I've just written a scene where people make fart jokes for you know, <laughs> two pages and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, having, a, I'm having a fucking blast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that definitely affects output. I'm <laughs> Mm-hmm. being able to not let the the work you're doing become your therapist uh, yeah yeah i don't believe in therapy either but uh do you guys believe in therapy do you go to therapy i actually do you do uh, does yeah. it work i'm not judging you by the way does, I, I'm uh, well all the it. the person i went to she's kind of unique she's in her 80s actually in her 90s now uh and used to uh uh, so she's been doing like psych psychotherapy for like 60 years or something like that. It was originally a student of Joseph Campbell, like directly worked with him That's as sick. an advisor. Uh, so she's been incredible. I don't, I've only worked with her. So I, I don't, I sure. can't speak for like general. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I, I know for a fact they're terrible <laughs> that do not help mm-hmm. whatsoever. What, Are, what is, what is therapy? What does therapy do for you? Um, the, I think the, the main thing it's done is like, help me like communicate better and okay. Hell yeah. realize, realize like processes that I would get stuck in, um, uh, that were, there were like little traps and like, I was, it was when I started seeing the person I was, I'm, I uh, still see she, I was in this end of this relationship that was like going all to hell mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um what i was what i was starting to realize and she was she helped me realize is that it was like it was like a lot of it was like a self-esteem issue like i was mm-hmm. letting mm-hmm. this person treat me like shit because i almost felt like i deserved it okay yeah, yeah and and um and so th- it was a process of sort of like building my self or basically building my ego up honestly mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it had been squashed and crushed and i think uh having there is something to be said for having a healthy ego mm-hmm. like the whole thing mm-hmm. is about like especially in uh in a lot of like psychedelic circles they talk about like ego death and like and i, I don't sure. really i don't really know what that means honestly. i think that's i think that's a just a gross massive gross uh misreading of, of yeah eastern yeah. philosophy yeah right right that's right. kind of ego, that's, ego yeah go ahead no, i'm ahead. sorry go ahead 
you're probably just going to say a similar thing where it's like ego is a western concept right it's like yeah yeah it's like we we have a we have a western psychological concept that we've sort of matched to maybe and like i can't read like where these texts are originally coming from so like i don't know what they're actually trying to translate i don't know what they're Mm -hmm. actually trying to say but we've sort of inserted what our what our beliefs are into like buddhism and things like that Mm -hmm. so i don't know if yeah go ahead well, ego, ego, just uh, you know, in Western society, seems to be translated mostly as you know, you're, you're arrogant, or you know, it's yeah. it's the me, the me, 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 and then there's the Freud ego. But the way that I like to think about ego is through the Alan Watts lens. I'm a big Alan Watts head, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just basically it's that thing that you know, whenever we come out of the well of souls and we inhabit this meat body that has a particular brain and we're getting, you know, interpreted through all that, the ego is just the thing that keeps you from fucking going insane as a human being <laughs> through like, you know, being able to distinguish that I'm here, the chair's here, the floor's there, the ego is what keeps that in. And then the the danger of course is that that we start to believe our own bullshit. We start to think that like the ego is the actual thing you know like that and that we're we are an individual and that we're not you know connected to all this kind of shit so i think that uh in terms of what your therapist was saying though about just like not letting people treat you like shit i mean that's uh i mean it's really important you know and i Mm -hmm. think that you in particular and we've just met so i'm not like your best bud or anything like that (laughs) but uh i can already tell that like that you're a cool guy and that, I mean, you're an illustrator, like you're artistic, you're creative and you kind of are what you do. You know what I mean? So yeah. like if you're a, a, a talented, creative person, you can't let some asshole talk shit to you and like make you feel like shit. Like that's just, that's, <laughs> it's just, it's just not cool. Cause like, it's just, it's more fun to just like, you know, you have these, you know, God, I say stuff like God given, I don't, you know, uh, but, uh, like these yeah. God given talents and stuff. And it's like, you have this whole beautiful life that you can live and man, I'm mad that she talks shit to you like that. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad that she treated you that way. Well, well, so the interesting thing was, is that she was also creative and we used to work as a team. Was and she jealous? There was a bit of that. There was, mm-hmm. there was a bit of jealousy and then also a bit of like I was the one that tended to do the drawing and then she tended to do the color work. Yeah. And so she thought of herself as secondary. Um, like Jason Lee in chasing Amy. Right. Yeah. 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 You're just a tracer or whatever. Yeah. You're just a yeah, tracer. Yeah. There's. So she's, so she's got a, so she's got to talk shit to you, make you feel like shit, all this kind of stuff because she's, Bro, that is the whole thing, man. I'm telling you, like everybody who's mean like that and who who brings people down like that, they got issues, man. I've never met yeah. a healthy, happy, you know, person who's like actually out there doing shit, uh, who's who's mean like that. It's always it's there's always something missing with people. Yeah. See, I think what what uh, even in like a helpful sense of thinking of the ego. It ends up becoming an oversimplified, like, like it's just this name we give to the idea of what you were saying about, like, starting to believe that that is the self. 
but I don't think we're actually, I don't think we start off with that. I think that's uh, a series of trauma responses and like survival mechanisms kicking into place, just like yeah. over and over again to where all of those like influences every time you're like quote unquote triggered by something that, and you just get like such an intense collection of them that aren't dealt with properly over a long period of time. So it's almost like these like uh, swooping painful memories that are constantly penetrating your, your, your normal existence and kind of manipulating your decisions and your feelings in the moment. Right. Cause there's Dude. these ties to the past and like, we call that ego, but it's really just like separation from being in flow and present. Um, that is so fucking smart. That's one of the like smartest <clears throat> ways I've ever heard that put. I think that's real. I love this idea of it as a, as a trauma resp- like the ego is a trauma response right Mm. like the more shit that happens to us the more we're like well it's just it's me it's me 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 like as a as a response to all this and if you let it go you start to i love the word flow i think flow is a great word Uh, that actually so that came from like well where kurt and i met was like a rune soup uh angel scrying group like a few years back and um one of the things that we got that stuck with me like that one of the people in the group got was like humans in flow are angelic like one of the angels told one of us that and that's that's bars man that's some bars right there because that's that that to me is samadhi right like you find that Mm -hmm. in in buddhism and you find that like so that's that's our and it's the Tao. like it's all these things at once it's just being in flow and being um calm enough of mind and free of all those constant like triggered influences um and those can be ancestral those can be like trauma from this life they can be a lot of different things but but i think it, but getting back to therapy it's like i'm at a point where i'm not convinced that therapy can do much that an energy healing session by someone who knows what they're doing can't do in a fraction of the time yeah yeah i could see that i could see that what do you say to that kurt uh, right. it's it you yeah i'm interested to hear because uh sorry I, i'm interested to hear what chris says because this is like someone who knows both and you rarely find someone who actually like yeah, thinks yeah both i'm talking i'm talking bullshit because i've never been to therapy so i don't know what the fuck <laughs> i'm talking about i have i think it's bullshit so i i, I would say if you find the right therapist they can actually help support each other because like uh, mm-hmm. uh because like the energy healing stuff or like that that is stuff that will get that also happen in psychedelic journeys it's so what a therapist can a good one can do is help you integrate the experience Mm, right mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. and um yeah that that's where it's valuable because i mean i I don't know if you've had this but like i've had you do energetic healings and stuff you get these feelings or sensations it's like are like a flower opening up or like just a weird like shift in your body and and you may not even know what that's in relation to like there's no story to attach to that but if you're if you have someone that you're just talking and you can just be totally honest with like every two weeks or so mm-hmm. whatever that shook loose you could probably finalize and clear out of your system entirely mm. you probably wouldn't even be aware that they're that they're associated or connected mm. uh, but i i would almost guarantee you that they are now if your therapist is doing this for you and helping you um kind of integrate this experience are they not then like a shaman 
they're 100 a fucking shaman okay and i and i think <laughs> i think the really good ones are that in fact in right. fact yeah i kind of just feel like therapy is the whitewash that thankfully there can be some actual shaman slipping into legitimacy through that uh, yes and and i've i've had experiences where i've been talking to her and i've felt almost like uh like something deep inside like physically move or shift mm. like um and it it was so it's like there's multiple things happening at once uh and for her it's she's she's just talking but the thing that she does and and she she's told me this like because she's also been a person who te who's teach taught this for a long time and and the thing she always ends her class with is like if you come out of this with nothing else it is this one thing and that is to trust your intuition and she has shared so many stories where like she's she's uh, one for instance she was, she was just randomly talking to somebody the guy was was talking about something completely different and then she had this image pop into her head of like a machine gun and like all these images of violence and she stopped them and she said this is going to sound really crazy but i'm having all of these out of nowhere all these like visions of of violence and stuff and turn out the guy was like, well, I was, I was thinking about killing myself. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he wasn't, he wasn't ready to share that, but somehow she picked up on that mm -hmm. by being in the room and sharing the space with him. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I a hundred percent think that like, I don't, uh, I think a really good therapist isn't someone who's going to like logic and reason your, you to a better life. I don't think it works that mm -hmm. way. I think there is some sort of like energetic component to it. Mm -hmm. Whether they re whether they even realize it or not, mm -hmm. I think it's there. That's yeah. the kind of answer that I like. I like that uh, you know that some of them are shamans, mm -hmm. and then the rest of them. And I come from again. I haven't been to to therapy, uh, but I I do have Twitter dot com, and I do see <laughs> I do see a Basically lot of people. Therapy. I do see a lot of people who quote unquote go to therapy and those people do not seem fucking okay in any way, shape or form. They're like, Oh, I just went to my therapist and I talked about how, you know, this, that, and the other. And they, they came back and they told me that what I should do is I should break up with my family. I should stop talking to my mother, stop talking to my father. I should stop talking to anybody who disagrees with me. And, um, I'm feeling really empowered right now, but I'm also going to take a Xanax and go to sleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, it's really interesting how the the whole like mm, uh, medical care stuff, like the psychological care, became yeah. an app during COVID. Oh God, yeah, that's the worst. And like, like in the states, like it seems like now you pretty much just you get a therapist on your app and you're just like, ah, I can't sleep. And they're like, your prescription is ready. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but the, but it's also interesting because the whole, uh, WEF stuff, like the really, um, worldwide agenda stuff kind of leaning really hard on mental health awareness. So there's, there's clearly like a, uh, like therapy is going to be pushed really hard, but it's going right. to be this like, you know, pill it's going to be the, yeah, it's gonna be the kind that doesn't actually get you better. That's yeah. I mean, I'm results based in my life in general, you know, if I worked out for five years, and I looked the way that I look now, I would say this is fucking bullshit. 
stuff doesn't work. <laughs> like my bot, my I'm supposed to look fucking jacked. What do we? What are, or if I, you know, if I worked on a book for five years and didn't have anything to show for it, I'd be like, well, this doesn't work. This this is not a sustainable thing. But the whole idea is that you engage in a process and then you come out the other end changed. <clears throat> and my criticism of therapy, Kurt's therapy sounds sick, but like in general, it just seems like nobody ever gets better. And I'm very suspicious. Like this is why I'm like a big like COVID pandemic guy and all this kind of stuff. Like, because I just don't, I don't trust any of these big institutions to do what's best for people. I trust them to do what's best to keep them making keep the money, money going. Yeah. You know, to yeah. make customers basically. So well, that's, that's actually interesting. Cause it kind of ties back into scalped, right? That's like, it's a perfect example of that. It's a, uh, I think I think a lot of the whitewashing that's happening is actually just trying to erase history, right? Like like people these days would not want to think that this comic should should exist. I think right. No, no. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because I was reading this whole thing. I was telling my wife, I was like, this comic book came out in 2007 and it ended in 2012. Ironically, like 2000. So I've been. Uh, have you guys ever listened to a, the Perfume Nationalist? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So whenever I go on there and I talk to Jack, I feel like we've pretty much pinpointed like the end of history at 2012. <laughs> Funny enough. Yeah. Calendar and all that kind of shit. But like the Obama's second term was when shit started to get really weird with this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden you couldn't, people weren't supposed to tell certain stories if their skin was a certain color or whatever. Mm -hmm. But from my 2022 lens, because I am a product of culture, I do live with Twitter and around all this kind of shit. It was really funny, to, especially the first like 10 issues of Scalped. I was like, holy fucking shit. There mm -hmm. is no way this could exist right now. Especially Which, if it was being released uh, episodically, right? Like episodically, like over time, no, because there's no what way. this series does is it starts yeah. off pretending to be just a badass fuck your mother comic book series and then slowly it it like pulls you into a, a full-on real experience of depth and like complexity mm -hmm. yeah exactly but, yeah it starts it, off as like a as like a pulp thing but it couldn't uh, have gotten to that point if it was not like here's the whole book you know even uh-huh uh -huh, uh -huh. i think that my so my favorite slurs in this uh <laughs> for the start are prairie n-words i thought that was really great and then but the one that made me laugh out loud was when they would call each other wahoos like chief wahoo you uh, know like the cleveland indians mascot or whatever oh yeah uh, i didn't catch that i didn't even realize wah that was wah wahoos made me fucking laugh out loud. i thought that shit was so funny so there's all these slurs there's every noir trope that you could think of <clears throat> everybody's an alcoholic uh, a lot of them are addicted to drugs. They're hyper-violent, uh, but they're also engaging in what can be seen on a surface level as a kind of appropriative, you know, there's there's dream catchers and tobacco ties and, you know, uh, sweat lodges and all this kind of, you know, Indian trappings that, you know, a white guy might, might pick out. But I think, dude, that you're 100% right that, that the the comic book goes somewhere with all these stereotypes. 
but I'm also a person who doesn't I don't buy the cultural appropriation argument I mean I've been fucking with chaos magic for 10 or 15 years now so the whole appropriation thing doesn't really it doesn't make it through this thick skull I'm like wait what like I'm not supposed to do this why because I'm not my skin's the wrong color I don't I don't buy that so um I I don't believe in a cultural appropriation I believe in cultural appreciation and I think that Jason Aaron in this series has a lot of cultural appreciation for the the Lakota people you know and I think he does something really cool with it too I think it goes to some neat places well it, it's hard to say that those are I mean I don't know how much of a disservice it actually is uh because like fair ties and dream catchers are associated with like um yeah and and sweat lodges like I have a friend who who attends Sundance and yeah. uh, and like I I would be really curious to see what he thought of this mm-hmm. because even if they did get some things a little off or whatever like by the time you get to even a halfway point in this story mm-hmm. um I can't imagine anyone being offended by it unless they were just not wanting to face like the atrocities that that have taken place and like yeah, the continued yeah. oppression um because it, it it's it stands to do that it sta- it does so many things because it it does that it takes you as a reader through this process of um you first see the comic book as this cool novelty where shit's getting shot up and there's cuss words and drugs and violence and you're it's like well this is fun it's grimy it's grimy but it's it's enjoyable there's a lot going on here and then and then slowly it's like that novelty becomes deeper and less novel but so does all the stuff that you're like oh cool they're they're native americans and they they look cool because of that and they're mm-hmm. um there's novelty in that too which then it's really interesting because it kind of takes you on that ride of being on the surface just seeing all those trappings yeah um, yeah and then slowly like you know even with like the prayer ties they're mentioned once or twice but then as it progresses you get the impression you learn that they are tied when it's necessary like it's only mm-hmm. brought up at certain points in time when someone's struggling or um and it's it's like really important moments um i like that you brought up that the indians look cool because i don't think that that should be shied away from or the same way that like vikings look cool right. or like uh, zulu warriors look cool like Native Americans, when they're in their full fucking badass outfits and shit, like war paint, feathers, uh, even just like the the high cheekbone structures of their face, you know, like they just look cool. Mm. And that can be a dangerous cultural position to take when you want to take somebody who looks cool and put them in a zoo and turn them into some kind of like fetish artifact that you can just have on this but like i think we went too far in order to not fetishize people into saying that like just saying that they look cool is inappropriate but i don't give a like they look cool in this series like red crow is a badass like every time red crow is about to like wreck shop on some people or shunka or dash or whoever whenever the the badass indian characters in this are about to do their thing it fucking looks cool 
right? I mean, and I don't understand what they're saying in Lakota, but I read it and phonetically it sounds fucking cool and the whole it's just neat it's 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 just way way cooler than like i you know what's really funny is um when this first came out i got the uh after the first six episodes or issues came out i got the indian country trade paperback and i was in the native american film studies program at the university of oklahoma and uh i was funny like tidbit is that i was in class with a lot of people now who work on reservation dogs that show on on hulu uh-huh. uh which i think that they should do scalped but they would disagree with me and here's why i brought scalped to a lot of those meetings right and uh my one of my mentors and prefer this guy dr uh nelson uh who was running like this just i got like the the best education on native american film that i could have asked for but i showed it to him i came back the next week i was like what you think about that he was like yeah this this is not good this is not it right like he hated it he hated it Mm -hmm. you know but it was the first like you said it was the first volume with like all like all that shit piled in what if, like, you, what if you showed him the one volume that was that little one-off vignette of the couple, the old couple? Yeah, right. right. The one that Daniel Zizelge did. Who? That's my dude, bro. Zizelge was when I would go to the comic shop. I told uh, Rob, the guy who worked at Atomic Pop, I said like, any Zizelge comes through, like put that shit aside, because mm-hmm. Zizelge was on like Loveless. Yeah, he did like Rex and Small Hands and Luna Park and all this. Like, I think Zizelge was probably a big influence on Gera for this but i can't say one way or the other but the way he uses angles and shadows and shit like that i think one of my favorite comics illustrators hands down one but of my... uh oh, go sorry. Ahead. i'm sorry go ahead no no you you i was gonna trail off into a new thing if you so yeah trail off, you, uh, trail off. uh if, you, if you like his work he'd probably like uh uh alberto breccia and, that sounds uh, really. F- did he do a hundred bullets? Was he ever? On no, bullets? no. He's a, he's Argentinian. He did this really crazy okay. comic called Mort Sender, which is about an immortal guy. But he's okay. one of the best ink inkers ever, and he draws directly. It's him. Um, and then he has a student who I believe is called Jorge Zafino, okay. who did like a he did a like Conan series that you can find. Uh, I can get your like contact this, info from from uh, uh, for sure. Rev yeah, yeah, yeah. This and looks sick. Yeah. He did a Che Guevara one, Vida del Che. I'm looking it up. Uh, yeah, this looks fucking sick. But yeah, the, uh, just to kind of you know, if we're gonna move on to other stuff, I just wanted to just make a point about the whole appropriation thing. Yeah. And, you know, the Indians who I have showed scalp to have not been super respect like like receptive to it, and I want to respect that because i'm you know like we have a lot of kiowa here comanche like we we, it's oklahoma right Mm -hmm. um and i don't think i've ever really showed it to anybody who was like oh this is great i love this like this this really like represents me so it's troubled and i do think that it's worth uh kind of thinking about how you know of course aaron could have only done this in you know it was right it slipped right under the wire you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. 2012 is kind of that cutoff point where you can't do that shit no more and that's when scalped end ended and um 
so I don't want to dismiss that entirely, but at the same time, I think that it's a huge topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> there are entire college courses about this, but my my quick opinion about things like that is that you can research and approach different cultures with respect, and I think something comes out of artwork that's done from a third person perspective from somebody who's outside of it because yeah. somebody who's outside of it will necessarily see the surface level and see what makes something cool and adopt that and then retell it in a way that sounds even cooler and i think that scalped uh for all of its you know prostitution and alcoholism and drug addiction and violence and all this kind of stuff i think that aaron is coming from a genuine place of thinking that the lakota are just a badass group of people, right? Yeah. Who look cool, who talk cool, who have cool traditions that he doesn't have as a white guy living in Kansas City. And I think that, uh, you know, I would love to see, uh, you know, a Comanche write a Viking epic. You know what I mean? I would love to see, like, a, well, this happens all the time, black dudes writing fucking manga, right? Mm, and yeah. like, Japanese samurai shit. There's a huge cultural relation between uh japan and black americans right that's i mean it's yeah. undeniable agitator has had so many rappers on <laughs> it's just like it became a joke between me and kelby where it's like if you ever want to just like become friends with a black guy you're like hey do you watch dragon ball or do you watch like <laughs> and they're they're a hundred percent they're always like uh yeah totally uh but like but I, I think that that kind of cross-cultural pollination is, is really beautiful. I think that it gets ugly when it becomes soulless, right? Yeah. And let's say that Indians became the new hotness and every motherfucker in Hollywood was trying to put out a new reservation dogs or something like that. And you got a bunch of fucking dipshit white people from SoCal to, to write these characters and oh, make sure you do your research and use all the correct... like. That would be ugly, but I think that uh, a genuine love for a cult, like if you're like a diesel, right? If if you're diesel and you're one sixteenth Kickapoo and you and you really love this culture, I think you can make beautiful art out of it with respect and just be like, sorry for anything I fucked up. I think you guys are awesome. I hope that you see that in this. Yeah, it's uh, I don't. I don't uh, I I was I stepped away for a minute so I don't know if this I think scalped sits in this place that I would call this and this might be a this might not be a good term red exploit red exploitation instead of black exploitation sure why not because <laughs> I I because I think that's kind of what it is it 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 feels more in that if you've ever watched any of those old black exploitation movies it feels in a piece of that like mm -hmm where there's a lot of there's a lot of crime it's very pulpy but there's still like there's still messages being delivered there's still like social yeah. examination that's still happening but it's still it's it's continuing to be entertaining like it's entertaining mm -hmm. first well, and these other things book. come <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It it's saying it's not just a it's not just a crime it's, it's it's a it's a crime comic book right yeah so say that this was done with italians like everybody's going to be eating fucking spaghetti and talking about omerta and you know, like whatever it is that italians do if this was like a russian comic book then you'd have mentions to i mean i wrote a book about russians 
And I felt like a fucking vulture because I had Ann Applebaum's gulag book with a bunch of sticky notes in it with all the worst fucking shit that ever happened in a gulag. Then I was like, I'm going to totally steal that shit. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not rush. I'm Polish, but I'm not, not Russian. Those are two different things as far as I know. But, uh, like I don't, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me that, uh, you know, that only the, the, the race that's portrayed is allowed to write that race that seems ironically very racist to me i (laughs) interestingly (laughs) enough i think the only case where uh i don't know i i think i think i could understand the case like why why native americans would not want to be like represented by this or and mm-hmm. and purely for the sake of this is a white man like drawing like writing about our relationship like our people's relationship to their gods and things um mm-hmm. like there was it's like we don't we don't actually want a white man telling our story at all like i could i could see that being just i get that baseline. i get um, that sure and and in that case like yes I, <laughs> like no comment <laughs> of course uh, but I think that I think that Aaron stays away from that pretty pretty deftly. He mentions thunder beings and shit like that, and he he gets into it because it would feel weird if it did if it wasn't there. Yeah, but right. I I I don't think I think he makes some comments on just the human condition that are universal. But the, I don't see any real. I mean, even the sweat lodge scene is really it's remo- like you almost feel like him removing from it. Like mm-hmm. Dash Dash runs out of the sweat lodge. And I wonder if that's not him running out of that. Like, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to go too deep here. You know, I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna go curl up by the grave, and uh, Gina Badhorse's grave being like the representation of the narrative. He's like, I'm running away from trying to talk to your spirits, and we're going back to the narrative now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. I could see uh, also the specificity of it being attached to Lakota. Like if it were, if it were just like some made up hypothetical, like maybe that would be better. Um, But, but again, it it, it comes down to, I think what he was trying to do was comment on the places where, where colonization had poisoned. (laughs) Right. And it was focusing on like, this is the violence and the hardship and this is all our fault like it was it was mm-hmm. kind of like the whole thing was like i we see and we're sorry was right kind of the feeling right. and, and right because like, because prairie rose is like twin peaks prairie rose is a force of evil right like mm-hmm. the reservation itself is is the character the first panel of scalped is welcome to prairie rose and the last panel is you are now exiting prairie rose and everything that happens in there it's supposed to be like a hyper almost surreal exaggeration of every bad thing have you guys ever been to a res before oh a long time ago i think that and i think a cherokee one cherokee okay yeah i was in a net i was in a i think it was a nez purse or nez per se i don't know how to say that uh res in new mexico and i was never more scared for my fucking life ever because it was exactly like scalped i stopped for <laughs> gas there it's in the middle of the desert and there's it's exactly so this is new mexico so it's not you know uh south dakota but 
just beer cans everywhere and trash everywhere and toothless people like you get out of your car and they're like the fuck you doing your white boy like like people with like fucking tattoos on their faces and like overweight women with five children walking into the Seven Eleven and screaming and i was like is this hell like am i am i in hell right now uh so like my this was uh in probably 2014 or 15 that i was that i stopped for gas at this res but it was genuinely fucked up and i was like oh this is like prairie rose mm-hmm. you know what i mean like this is maybe aaron wasn't exaggerating it for pulp like it's it's ripe material for pulp storytelling but he i don't think he was like exaggerating the way that some some yeah say that some some reservations operate right like it's it's like i thought i was gonna get fucked up like i thought i was gonna get fucked up and robbed and maybe killed and i was just i've never felt that way stopping for gas anywhere in any you know ethnicities particular hoods or or whatever the res had a very specific feeling of of danger to it so i don't know i think that prairie rose was like the actual bad guy of this but i like the point also that an aaron goes through a lot of trouble to make sure that you understand this that like the reason why they're there is because of all this colonization bullshit right Mm -hmm. like it's not the indians that are inherently bad that made the res that way it's because they're a fucking third world country in the middle of a first world country and that's by design it's not a mistake that it's that way and you know they they did such a good job of of exploring each character's individual uh motivations and like like showing you just how complicated it was for each of them and how all of their decisions were not easy. Like going to the lengths they went through, they all had to kind of live with that, or at least most of them. Um, I mean, even what's his face, like one sixteenth Kickapoo, uh, Diesel, 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 Diesel Yeah, even Diesel. Like they gave you some empathy for him at points, uh, which is some. really intense to to feel something for every character, even the worst the worst ones you know mm-hmm. it's like we're gonna, we're gonna show you a guy who strangled a hooker and then shot her son to death and we're gonna make you feel bad for him <laughs> and then you yes. do and you're like oh shit That's, <laughs> those kids so fun like, when they stole his money just really quick for the listeners too uh so scalped is a 60 issue comic book series <laughs> written by jason aaron illustrated by rm Guerra with uh you know zazelge was and a few other artists I, I know this is disrespectful but i don't remember their names but they did great work too on on some of those it's, issues. A, it's okay um, no one remembers the artist on the sand <laughs> even though that book is 90 percent of the artist but whatever is it dave mckean who did the sandman he did no. the covers but there's the covers, like tons okay. of artists that okay. never get mentioned that yeah. Are, yeah yeah but uh so it, it's basically a dashel bad horse who is a bald, badass motherfucker with nunchucks, <laughs> comes back to the Prairie Rose Reservation in South Dakota uh, and starts beating people up with his nunchucks. He gets the shit kicked out of him, and he's taken before the tribal leader, Lincoln Red Crow, who is opening a brand-new casino funded with Hmong money. Uh, it's got some real dirty money behind that shit. Uh and he's enlisted to become a tribal police officer. Uh, and it turns out that he's actually an FBI agent 
who has, you know, he's been in the military, he's been to Kosovo, he's been to all this, all this crazy shit, and he's come back to Prairie Rose as an FBI agent to help an FBI guy named Nitz enact a blood vendetta that he has against Red Crow uh, from a double murder of two FBI agents that took place in 1975. And this is all very convoluted, but it's also all given to you in the very first issue of the entire series. You, you know what the stakes are by the time you get to the end of the first issue. And then, you know, you meet uh, his mother, Gina Badhorse, who ends up getting murdered and scalped, who becomes a kind of, like, focal point of, you know, who killed her and why. Uh, you meet uh, Red Crow's daughter, Carol, who's a big-time slut with tattoos on her titties, who ends up going through one of the most incredible arcs from where <laughs> she starts to where she ends up. Yeah. It's just insane. Like, that's, like I, you, you don't normally see characters go through that big of a change. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's Dino Poor Bear, who's a kid who's running uh, little, you know, two-bit operations for local Aryans and the local Indians, and he goes on a huge arc, too. Uh, but once you get all these characters, you know, Sheriff falls down, and Diesel, and all these people kind of pinging off in Catcher. we, we got to talk about... Catcher's one of the scariest villains, I think, that I've read. Uh, recently because he starts off for the first half of the of the book you think he's actually kind of like a like a yoda character like you yeah, think he's, he's like he, he's like merlin or something you think yeah yeah he's yeah. like oh this is the weird mystic guy and it turns out that he's like anton Chigurh basically but uh once you get all these characters pinging off of each other uh for 60 uh issues you explore things like you know dash becomes addicted to heroin and you've you know, people are struggling for food. People are dealing with alcohol abuse. They're dealing with their trauma. Red Crow is dealing with all of the, you know, different bargains that he made to get his casino built with bad people and, and how to how to deal with that. There are multiple murders and multiple undercover agents, and it's this huge, twisty, beautiful fucking thing that's just so fucking propulsive, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, and it all kind of falls falls into your lap in a way that doesn't feel like contrived storytelling at all like the stories that happened all the characters don't i don't feel like any of them i mean maybe a couple kind of but none of them feel like they were a like a, you see that coming like it's a bow tied on it or anything it's these messy fucking stories that just kind of end when they end and uh, yeah I really like that part of it a lot but, yeah, the the arcs for everybody is is not what you expect. Yeah, yeah, it's not, like I personally, having finally read the whole thing, I'm like, oh yeah, this did not. So many of these, where you thought these characters would go, are a standard, a standard narrative would take these characters. They none of them go there. They all go in very different weird places, um, uh, and like some of them, uh, extremely hopeful, and some of them deeply tragic. <laughs> Like, I didn't know Shunku was going to be gay at all, but once I knew, I was like, I kind of knew. <laughs> I kind of knew, too. I, around the Shunka gay shit is what I gave up the first time, but not because he was gay. Not because I was like, oh, this is gay. I can't read this. <laughs> um, but uh, because I could feel that it was so influenced by The Wire, mm. and I was like, oh, Shunka's kind of an Omar, right? Mm, like, he's yeah. kind of an Omar character. So when he as soon as that issue opens and he goes to that guy's house and he's like 
sitting with very perfect posture and he's like oh you've come back i'm like ah, called it yeah gay guy <laughs> you know uh but shunka is uh a complete badass some of my favorite scenes in the whole series are like dash and shunka's last fight i think are so cool uh when dash gets his nunchucks back <laughs> and he's, he's beating the fuck out of shunka. but shunka still beats his ass like shunka is never not like the ultimate warrior like nobody beats him he gets mm. got but nobody really like bests him in in content in in combat rather yeah definitely not in but, combat he yeah. does get uh he does get bested but but it, it's it that, that's interesting th- thing too is that they introduce because that was probably kind of novel at the time like shunka being this gay character and like he ends up being manipulated by the other dude yeah yeah and that is it's a, that it's, is, a it's a femme fatale who's a dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't see it coming it was good yeah yeah well he's narrating it and i thought that was so funny because he's like i'm dead and i was like okay this is interesting this is a <laughs> they're getting into some surreal you know territory where he's talking from beyond the grave so shunka yeah shunka is sent to like there's this tribal leader who gets ousted because he's gay and uh he's causing problems for the local tribe this is in michigan i think is where he goes to and um shunk is sent there to just be badass and get him to stop doing that but he ends up going to the gay tribal leader's house to i guess talk to him and they end up fucking and then shunka falls in love he falls in love with that ass who can't relate to that I mean, you know, it's the classic femme fatale story. Uh, and then the next day, that gay tribal leader ends up dead from an apparent suicide. And Shunka goes to the, the tribal leaders who he knows ordered that hit and just, like, massacres them in a pool. He curb stomps one of them in a pool. Yeah. I thought yeah, that was such cool. a great panel. I turned the page... And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you ever, like, turn it back so that you can, like, read it again? You're like, wait, hold on. So this is the lead up. And then there's just this piano key teeth of this guy getting curb stomped on the edge of a pool. So Shunka massacres them. And then it turns out it wasn't actually the gay tribal leader who was dead. And he was, you know, pretending the whole time. At times with that issue and a few other issues, it dips into, like, that hokey noir territory. But... (laughs) I'm here for it because like it's it. fun. It's yeah, fun, like it. you know. It's um, it's a it's just one of the many brands of nostalgia that feel more uh, sincere than, <laughs> than most mm-hmm. shit today. Yeah, it's just fun. I mean, it's just like you know, you have somebody who is uh, has been like the sort of strong, silent type, although oddly mouthy to red crow i always thought that red crow and shunka's relationship was weird because they're always kind of fighting like shunka's not like his lap dog even though mm-hmm. red crow does eventually get a dog <laughs> and, and, and names it shunka but uh but shunka is like he he's a guy with a little bit of agency but yeah whenever you get to these kind of plots where the one thing here's the negative thing that i'll say about scalped and it's when i got to the same part that i quit when i was younger and reading it month to month the one thing that i got a little bit burnt out on is that there are three or four issues in a row that are backstory related Mm. for different characters and they all include 
that character getting beat by their dad right mm. now i don't mind i'm not like triggered by that i was never beaten by my dad like that's it's but as a storytelling device it started to feel like we were treading the same ground it's like mm. oh so falls down was beaten by his dad and diesel was beaten by a dad and wade was abusive but wade was also beaten by his dad and i was like how many dads are be really beating their kids? In this, you know what I mean? Like, does every dad beat their kid in this? So that's the only, and I think this is a masterpiece, but that's the only quibble that I have in the middle section is that there's too much uh, father abuse or abuse from fathers in this. When I feel like Aaron could have taken just a few, he could have found other ways to... Yeah traumatizes characters basically somebody, yeah someone having... could have had like a more creative and more horrible backstory of yeah right worse you know that was right because it starts to feel easy right like it's yeah. like oh your dad beat your dad was a drunk who beat you and it's like a lot of people experience that i mean it's not that it's not true but uh like the no, fourth your, or fifth time your you mom see it, raised it's... you in a closet and slipped you a bucket <laughs> of heads once a week there yeah. you go yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly or you were just like maybe one of those people was just out hunting one day and a deer heart talked to them and told them that, you know, that they were destined to be cursed for like some crazy Guillermo del Toro fairy tale shit. <laughs> like, like anything to keep it just like one more panel of like a shadowy, uh, dad figure with a belt and a kid going like this. You know what <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, okay. It's like the same one. <laughs> the it's same a, it, 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 it's the only time that the series really feels like it's starting to copy and paste yeah. storylines. You know what I mean? Um, but and even if they'd have maybe broken them up a little bit, but they were all kind of in a row, yeah. They were together. And it's like, it turns out everybody's dad beat everybody's ass. So <laughs> They should have just made the brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's all the same family. Yeah, our, dad's, our dad sucked. He would take turns beating us all. <laughs> there's just there's just one issue where everyone in town is getting everybody's getting beaten by their dad there's like a festival there's the there's, it's, it's it's like duck duck goose with a belt like he's yeah. just walking around like duck 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 this, goose this is why native americans don't like this it's the yeah ceremony. i don't think that's traditional lakota stuff i don't think so either i don't think so either but uh but everything else about this series is just so incredible i mean i think that red crow might have one of the best arcs that I've seen in a character in any medium. Yeah. I think that the the peaks and valleys that that Aaron takes him through like one of my favorite like fuck yeah scenes in the whole series is when he's on the phone with Johnny Tung who is the the Hmong benefactor of his casino who's kind of been treating him like a bitch. Like every time they talk on the phone, he's like, you're going to learn your fucking place. You're going to do what I ask you to. And Johnny Tung sends this little midget psycho <laughs> called Mis Mis Mr. Brass to clean up the reservation so that the casino becomes profitable. And Mr. Brass is an insane pedophile rapist. He's a one-armed freak who like he pulls out Dino Porbear's eye at one point. Like he's, he's a total psycho. And so one of my favorite scenes is he's on the, he's put brass in jail. Red Crow has because he caught him pulling out Dino poor bear's eye, killed all of his henchmen, arrested brass. 
and Brass is sitting in a jail cell and he's really arrogant. He's like kind of got a Hannibal Lecter thing going on where he's like, you'll never be able to touch me because I have all of the connections and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but the, the phone call sets Red Crow off, right? Because this guy's calling him every name in the book, bunch of N-bombs. Like I learned so many slurs from this book <laughs> that if I... If I was ever so inclined, I could, you know, I could pull him out of the Rolo decks. And Red Crow becomes so incensed because the idea is that Tongue has leverage on Red Crow and Brass is Tongue's guy. So you're going to let him out of that jail cell right now, right? I don't care how many people he's killed. He, he, he murdered two teenagers uh, and cut them up really bad. Uh, which is what set Red Crow off to begin with. But, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, let him out. Like, put him on the phone. And Red, and Red Crow goes up to Mr. Brass's cell and shoots him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Johnny Tongue goes, uh, that what I just heard better not be what I thought it was. Like, he better still be alive. And Red Crow says, oh, he's still alive. And then he goes, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> It's like, but now, but now he's not alive. <laughs> and I was, dude, I was in my seat with the fucking comic book, and I was like, "Ooh, that's so badass! That was so sick!" But you, you go from that to, I mean, like, but Red Crow's not a great guy either, you know. I mean, no, he's got all yeah. kinds of dirt, right? He goes up and down, and I mean, he he act well accidentally killed his daughter's uh, boyfriend and her unborn child, you know, mm -hmm. like had them had them killed because he didn't know that his daughter was going to be there and i thought that the um where he's given so gina badhorse of course is killed by catcher and you know her soul was put into a little uh, into a bag right and the idea is that the soul has to be carried by somebody for a certain period of time a few months or something like that and they have to i thought it was her. like a year even yeah. is it a year yeah. okay yeah, i okay. think it might be a year right 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 so it's like so a year and they have to be pure like they can't do fucked up shit while they're carrying that soul and uh one of the best arcs is like seeing red crow like try mm -hmm. to be good he's like okay i'm not gonna do anything fucked up like, i'm not gonna do anything fucked up and by the end of it he leaves the the soul uh, he puts it in a box and gives it back to grady Barbear because he's like mm, can't do it i can't do this yeah yeah I, I thought the um his his whole story was absolutely brilliant because that there were no easy answers and and he didn't have any easy answers and he thought he always thought he was doing what was best for the the overall survival because in his mind it's a war between them and the white man mm -hmm. and he's trying to like carve out their space and and it's like you know that's his his bounty what he thinks he's bringing to the table what he thinks he's providing for them and like his his vision his curse that he has is this fucking disgusting like rotting deer, deer. yeah uh, his buck that like so sick when he sees himself by the way carrying the deer yeah it's so powerful when he sees it in, in his reflection he's got the deer like he's he's carrying it like uh fireman style like oh. on his back like <laughs> so powerful it's like Darian gray but it's like it's <laughs> yeah that that was i saw you kurt i saw that what was that <laughs> i said Darian gray yeah. 
It's good. <laughs> I got to give you props for that. That was a, that was a good one. <laughs> Although I think it, it was actually an elk, possibly. I don't know. Did yeah. you just fuck up your own joke, bro? Come on, man. <laughs> God damn it. But I think you're I think you're right, but at the same time, I mean, come on. You had a, you killed and then you it's like it's like Chappelle landing a punchline and then being like, but actually the facts of the matter. Are... <laughs> uh, that's good. I mean I I, I just I loved that. Uh, I wanted. What did you guys think about Catcher? Because Catcher to me was like, so, like maybe one of the most chilling villains I've ever encountered. Like, I... just so so three dimensional, and uh, you know, somebody who really is insane in the fact that like they think they're doing good, but are by the end of it completely just psychotic mass murderers. But things kind of did end up better on the res after, so. It, 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 uh, this is what I'm here it, for. Yeah. I'm here for the. I'm here for the Jangle Bones uh, 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 catcher defense here. It's it's Ke not necessarily a defense. Defense. It's it's, it's like, more it's more like he he had a purpose to play, and he mm -hmm. fucked it up. But the purpose was still going to happen. It, yeah, he he wasn't. I don't think he was. He wasn't together enough to willingly carry out his role. Yeah. Um, it got away from him, but he was still fulfilling the role in that, I think. Uh, like his role was to go crazy and be the bad guy. And and he lost track of that and still thought he was oh, the hero. I like that. I like that. And it really works as a depiction of an actual normal, maybe even good person who's been mm -hmm. like overtaken by this by this thing. Ooh, I like that interpretation a yeah, lot. He didn't really because... remember killing Gina. Like he, he was just yeah. like, maybe I was just doing the voices in my head said to because it was going to be for the good of the reservation. And then she was there to guide Dash in a way that she he wouldn't listen to her if she was still alive, right? Although he is possessed by the time he's killing that tribal council member's family, right? Like mm. he's he's in he's in full possession of his. Or do you think that he's like, well, okay, it could be both, right? Because I think he's like fully possessed by that point. He's like, yeah, I drowned your son in a toilet. And then I just like hit the other one really hard. And he shoots his wife in the head and then shoots him. And then when they're in the casino and, you know, he's he's just, he's in full gangster badass mode. Like, is that catcher anymore? Or is he fully embodied at that point? I think I think when we're being when we're locked into a story in life, there you're like you're still in the fractal even if you become aware of the fractal. Um, I almost think that that the stories play out the way they're supposed to, regardless of our the way that it, we can like do it kicking and screaming, and it still works mm -hmm. out the way it was supposed mm -hmm. to, or we can like go into it willingly, and it's still. I kind of think it, yeah. I don't know how to describe it better than that, but I. No, I think that's fucking brilliant. I love that. I don't know exactly what it means, but I love it. Um, <laughs> like I don't mean I, I I I'm not I'm not being rude. I'm I'm just saying that it, that feels correct. Like what like what you're saying yeah. feels correct. Like everything that that everyone else went through, uh, they were less aware of the larger gears turning, right? Mm -hmm. and he yeah. was aware of the larger gears turning, and it made him crazy, and he lost himself. 
but the gears kept turning and they still got to where they wanted to go. So mm. I have to wonder, maybe, maybe we're applying too much. And again, this is stepping into fully assuming this is a reality or something. Um, maybe stepping, maybe projecting too much human logic onto what spirit justice looks like. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that council member did fuck it up for their descendants by allowing things to occur. Oh, do you think that the when Dash has his fantasy at the end of scalping Catcher, that's like not the real ending of Catcher? Do you think that? Head. Do you think that that though is like what's occurring on like a spirit plane, maybe? Like that that's that that's yeah, actually quote so. unquote the real the real ending is yeah, that he scalps him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think he won. Like he won by making well, because what was his first test, right? His first test was was are you gonna kill the man that killed your mother tonight, or are you gonna mm -hmm. save the other officer? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he chose vengeance, and he mm -hmm. failed the test. Mm -hmm. But then he ended up facing that exact same situation at the end and choosing to save Red Crow. So, like, that is him conquering. Uh, right. So yeah. when he when he chooses to save Red Crow instead on the spiritual plane, yes. he, he scalps Catcher. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, Catcher and Nitz flame out together. So it's like it manifests in the quote-unquote real material real. world. Ooh, yeah. I like that. That's a banger really, interpretation. That's a. I, mean, I, I thought it was I brilliant that. the way that all ended. Like it, it was, it was really advanced, uh, advanced thinking in metaphysics to me. Like a lot of what happened, mm -hmm. I, I was really impressed with how they just kind of dropped it on you too. Like suddenly there's spirits and visions happening, uh, just right. out of nowhere. Like it just kind of boom, boom. Now we're getting into some shit, and then it. Yeah, yeah. It, but I think you solved it. I think you're dead right, man. I think that that's like. That's what I'm gonna say happened <laughs> from now on. I mean that that sounds right to me, and it's 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 a very satisfying ending too. Because my interpretation of it initially was that Aaron was kind of giving us like the satisfaction of Dash having his revenge for his mother, even though that's not really what played out. But your interpretation is much better because when he first he first fails that test, he gets his mouth shot off, yeah. right? Uh, and I think that that like with all the all the wire and shit, he can't speak anymore. That feels to me to be like what spirits do when you fail a test mm -hmm. is that you become silenced. You don't get punished like, I mean, sometimes you get punished physically, like you get ailments and all this kind of shit. But it often just feels like you're made to be quiet for a little bit, like you're being sent to the corner, like the mm -hmm. dude in the Blair Witch Project. Like you <laughs> go you st go stand in the corner for a little bit and think about what you've done. <laughs> Uh, and that's what it feels like happened to Dash that first time, where Catcher is like, you know, that's a shame. Yeah, I, mm. I thought you were ready, but you're not. And then he fucking blows his jaw off or whatever, and he gets the Kanye West through the wire <laughs> type type <laughs> shit, which cool. he rips out in a badass scene where he's just like, <laughs> I'm so fucking sick. I ripped my dental workout. And I even think I even think that was that back then. That was like because Catcher meant to kill him right then. Uh, but yeah. the spirit yeah. made him miss, right? Like, because there was still more story to play out. That was just there's a lot of bullets that go on too. They shoot each other, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's not just that one shot. You see right. that wide shot of the truck, and there's there's yeah. bullets going every which way. Well, does it, it? Wait, I forget. Does he? Doesn't he? Doesn't he miss because fall down? Falls down, comes by. Oh, that's why they wreck. 
I think. That's when they wreck. That, okay. That's when they wreck, yeah. But the shot the shot is just straight through his his mouth. Mouth. And then you cut to a, a wide shot of the truck and it's bullets going bullets everywhere. everywhere. They both, and they both kind of stumble out and Catcher disappears. And that's when he's gone for months and months and months and they, they can't find Catcher anywhere. So that's like, you know, Catcher meant it then. So even when he's failing, he's still following the story that's been set out before him. Uh, it's just like he gets glimpses of the fact that he's playing the role. So he thinks that he's the hero, I think. Mm-hmm. That is such a fascinating idea that you being put into this particular uh, body, right? This shell, this brain, you can think good thoughts and you can do good things, but you're still on a fucking track. And mm-hmm. telling a story of a guy who's largely i think that's what's that's what's so uncanny about his character and what makes him so scary is that he's he's genuinely presented as like a wise kind of cool old guy right who just kind of chills with his horse and but then also is like on this track and i don't think that's done very much that might also be i i compared him to Shiger uh earlier but I wonder if that's not what makes Shigur so scary too, is that he's just kind of this like autistic, retarded guy with like a strange <laughs> haircut, and but he's a killer and he's moving along this kind of thing. But Shigur is much more like he has more agency in his fucked up upness. Catcher seems much more like I, I'm just a guy. I'm just hanging out, you know, like cool, you know. Yeah. But he's the he's the impetus for everything. He's the guy who killed the. <coughs> FBI agents. Yeah. 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 He scalped them and uh, he killed Gina, scalped her. He just starts killing people left and right. And you're like, God damn, man. You know, you guys want to know something funny too is that uh, I had a Mandela effect when I reread this. And this is like the stupid, well, all Mandela effects are stupid. (laughs) It's it's always some dumb thing that you miss from It's Mandala effect. Uh, uh, (laughs) It's always been Mandala effect. Mandala effect, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I fuck with it. But when I first read Scalped, I specifically remember when uh, when Falls Down goes through the gauntlet of the Thunder Beings with the snakes and the bear traps and shit like that, I specifically remember him being naked. And mm. he's not naked. Isn't that weird? Maybe. Like, you said you I was waiting for that special edition. Okay. Maybe they they went back and censored they put co- it. They, they, the they, <laughs> they put clothes on him. Yeah, to like make it like <laughs> we're allowed I, to say I, sand n word or whatever, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Prairie, prairie n word. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, I just when I got to that scene, it was such a strange feel. Like whenever that effect happens to you. Cause like I was waiting for that. I was like, I remember this badass part where Catcher pushes, you know, falls down through this cave, and there's all these traps, and he's got snakes tied up all weird and shit, and falls down naked, like he's he's like naked and like he's got cuts all over him and shit. And then when I got to it, I was like, huh, he was wearing clothes the whole time. I wonder what that is it a me thing? Did I just remember him naked because that was hotter? I don't know. Like, <laughs> or more vulnerable. Yeah. Or more vulnerable, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that was the way that my mind interpreted it. Well, I'm sure he felt pretty naked being blind in a cave with a psychopath. That shit is so sick, though. 
that kind of gauntlet shit gets me every time. I'm That's like, really That's fun. Dope. <laughs> yeah, like turn yourself over to the universe and see what happens. Well, there's also that. something really charming about the effort it takes to tie all those snakes up and put all those spears everywhere for someone else. Like it's really sweet when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's making like a little theme park. <laughs> like when you used to like make a trap for your friend's sister when you were a kid, you know? Yeah, this, yeah exactly. this may not this may not seem like it, but I'm actually telling uh-huh. you I love you. That's just how <laughs> this is my love language. Uh-huh. It's traps. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I got a piss uh, too, so this is uh, kind of fine. <laughs> do, 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 do. Making noise, making noise, making noise. <coughs> I feel like if I I said the right things over the tracks of the urination that would actually trick you into thinking it's one of those like calm falling asleep YouTube things that people will sometimes listen to. Actually, I wonder I wonder how many of those are actually just people urinating and they just slow them down really slow. So you for four hours you're just listening to a loop of someone pissing. Mm-hmm. It'd probably have a title like Yellow Peace. That would probably be. And this is this is the track that would be the storm. I'm so glad I decided to pee instead of like put pressure on us to fill up that time with bullshit. <laughs> I, I actually, uh, I actually vamped for a little while, so there's a little gift for you. In the, uh... Oh, I, I heard oh, I something. Heard, I heard I'm it. Gonna, okay. I heard, I'm not going uh, to listen to it. I'm oh, you heard, heard it all? I heard Yellow Peace, which sounds like a really <laughs> chill, groovy, psychedelic album that I would <laughs> probably check out. What? Well, I, should I spoil it? Should I tell you what I was what I was saying? I was I was like uh, I, I was like I, I wonder how many of those you know those like YouTube videos that people like go to sleep to and it's like a ASMR gargling well it's like yeah and it's like a gargling brook like how many of them are just slowed down urination tracks? <laughs> That'd be so sick. That'd be so funny. <laughs> I want to start like a, an ASMR troll account where you put like the wrong video to it, but it's like something disgusting. And at the last like, frames yeah. it shows you, it's like, no, it's like somebody stepping in a dead possum. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like it's like slowed down 27.8 times, but it's just somebody <laughs> ripping ass. It's like the Inception. Enchanting. Oh, man. It's like, this is the this is the Inception sound. This is crazy. <laughs> Gregorian chants that are just farts. <laughs> <laughs> biotuning. Oh man! <laughs> Listen to your uh, biotuning frequencies. Uh, yeah, it's like like, like throat, you know, like, like throat, throat singing. <laughs> <laughs> it's your butt. It's your butt. It's not a throat. It's your butt. <laughs> it's your fucking butt, <laughs> dummy.
Well, uh, how else uh, do you get deep notes? There was a. I don't want to take up. I know you're a, a dad, and it's late there. Yeah, you doing all right on time? You want to wrap it up? I mean, I, whatever you guys want to talk about is good. I probably got about like thirty minutes, maybe. Okay. Just talk about whatever. I mean, cool. I mean, I think that uh, I think we covered scalped pretty good. I mean, yeah, that, was, so that was most of what I wanted to talk about. My one, uh, my one thing I wanted to say was just my favorite. My favorite line in the whole thing was before I knew catcher was the the, the bad guy, <clears throat> and I was just so tickled by need ammo, and he's like bullets. Just one. <laughs> Just one. It's a it's a really cool panel too because it's yeah. it's hit it's the full page of him at the gun shop. And he's like, I just think I'll need one. I was like, Oh there's a quote actually. Thank you for reminding me. I actually saved this because I thought it was so badass. Let me just pull it up on my fucking Kindle here. God damn it. How do I get to my fucking this Kindle's not very uh it's not good. Let's see. It's in my pictures. This is great podcasting, by the way. Whenever somebody's looking something up, and they're like, hold on, dude. I got it, bro. It's going to be fucking... So, like, some panels that I saved uh, were the <clears throat> the You Are On Indian Land one of Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. where it's, like, that whole panel of all those Native people standing and the graffitis across, like, George Washington's face. Yeah. Like, that shit... And, like, there's lightning cracking in the distance and a fucking hawk flying in the air i was like that's sick um i, I had that written down in my notes too because the the rushmore thing they didn't even mention like the history or anything but you just you see it and you're like oh fuck mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but there's a so i can't remember now where this is from this is towards the end but it's uh it's catcher and it's when uh red crow is praying with that uh tribal elder who might take his job but who meets an unfortunate end. And it says, uh, some folks spend their whole lives running and never get nowhere. Don't matter how long or how hard you try, there just ain't no escaping from yourself. Who we are is like a prison. It chains us, drags us along whether we want to go or not. Ain't nothing we can do to change that, to change the way God made us. Good or bad, we all got our parts to play. We're all trapped, see, in one way or another. The trick is to find the freedom in that. To never want more than what you're given. To make your prison as big as the whole damn world. Some men never figure that out, though. Some men spend their whole lives running and then die having never moved an inch. I hate to see that happen. I really do. I thought that was badass. And to your point, Mm. Mr. Jingle Bones, Reverend Jingle Bones... That that seems to really uh, uh, fit sums with your catcher. theory. Yeah, it sums up catcher, but it's also a fucking badass series of lines there. You know, yeah. like this <laughs> idea of people being trapped by it. But if you if you can figure out in life what role you're meant to play, it's not constraining anymore. It's actually freeing. You're like, oh, this is my. It's finding purpose, basically, right? Like this is yeah. what I'm meant to do. Like I'm not trapped here. Like everybody else is trapped here with me. There's kind of I think there's a fallacy in like like people think they want absolute freedom, and um, I don't think that's like if you wanted absolute freedom, you wouldn't be incarnate on Earth. Mm. 
Like, like we don't come here to be free. We Dude, come you've had free. so many bars tonight, but that's one of the best ones. If you wanted absolute freedom, then you wouldn't be incarnated on Earth. Like that's so sick. That's so true. We come here for the purpose of like getting kicked around and learning who we are and like getting better. And it's a huge risk because we also forget that that was a thing that we did. Correct. But um, but if you can sink into like this is for you like this is like a catered experience like people wanting to like have virtual reality just pretend your life is it like mm-hmm. <laughs> just pretend mm-hmm. that this is the metaverse and you can do you know what you want and you're, you're free within the confines of the abilities that you've got because it's like a video game like if people choose to enter into these limiting situations all the time like for entertainment and yet you're right. in one in your life and you can't like adopt God, that's so or... fucking true when you play a game yeah you're you're limited by that like you can't go to 7-eleven when you play cyberpunk 2077 <clears throat> you're limited by the rules that you agreed to play by because it's fucking fun to play by those rules but then like you said like when you apply that to your life people are like all oh, these fucking rules <laughs> like, what's going on it's like yeah it's th- that's the little booklet that comes with the game, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's read, a, the, it's a, read the fucking manual. <laughs> I mean, it's it's arguably the start of any creative thing is like drawing the boundary around it and saying mm. it's going to be this and not that. So and true. like and it's and it's generally a stack of those. Like you have to keep redrawing and like shaping that so that it's like this is this is what I'm selecting. This is what I'm doing. Um, that's. That's also extremely true. Yeah, the way that we make our art, like everything's in a frame, isn't it? Like movies, books, comics, music, it's tem- temporally framed, right? Like oh. from, from one point to the other. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I've talked about that before on the show, like about how, like if you sit down with um, like Ableton, if I sit down with Ableton, I'm fucking lost. Like, oh, you, you can make any sound now. You have no limits. Like, how the fuck do I choose? Yeah. Like, give me a box that makes like one tone that I can manipulate in these certain ways. And then I can get really creative within those, that mm-hmm. space and, and like push it to its limits. But if I don't know where the fucking limits are, how am I going to know when I'm pushing them and when I'm doing something cool? Like, right. That's why you rip off genres, right? Like, <laughs> oh, crime. It's all here. You just rip off scalps. Who cares? <laughs> take it, take, take the plot word for word. We're, we're doing, we got Sinophilia over here. We're just mm-hmm. like full on Chinese, like just take it, do what you want with it because it will be different. You will do things. You'll take these well-established platforms that you know by heart because you've seen them 150 times and you will come through, whatever that means. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, to me, it's like, that's, that's a really fucking interesting way to look at life as a game with rules. It's always helped me, uh, uh, like, using RPG stuff, like, to get motivated and just kind of think of, like, what would I guess my stat is right now at chopping wood in life, you know? I bet I could get better at chopping wood. I bet I could get better at a lot of things. Like, it's really just putting in that time. And instead of putting in the grind in a game, like, why not just do more actual shit? Or both. Or both. Like, why not? Yeah. You know? Like... Yeah. And I mean, it's fun to do things in a game. I just mean, 
with I'm talking like second life type shit. You know, the kind where you have to invest your whole life in the game. Um Sure. Yeah. Because I don't think those are great. Like Or Twitter. Twitter and second I was it's so funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine today on the phone and uh we were talking about somebody who we knew who was really in a second life and then they became a tweeter and we we said, I think he was better off in second life. Like, I think that was, I think that was actually better where he was making like fake cakes for his friends and, you know, having fake pool parties and shit. Like it seems stupider on its surface, but it's probably healthier than Twitter, which is Twitter. this yeah. demonic fucking, you know, thing that sucks you in and makes you jangle bones. You, uh, you have an interesting relationship to Twitter, very similar to my own. I feel in a lot of ways. Where, I feel uh, like it's we, better nowadays, but yeah. Where we Sorry, just kind of say we kind of say things, and then people are like, "Oh my god, <laughs> why would you why would you say that?" And it's like, "Well, it didn't seem that fucked up in my head." I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I had a really rough relationship with it through COVID because I lost my damn mind. Like, admittedly, like I was one of the people just like freaking the fuck out, just like how. How are people not seeing this? Like, how are people, you know, just losing my shit about it? Uh, and that calmed down. And I, at this I point, I'm not, shit, yeah. I, don't, I don't really, like, want to be uh, antagonistic or anything anymore. Like, I've, I've realized that's, that was all coming from a place of, like, wanting to help through through kind of, like, <laughs> through agitating, um, mm -hmm. which I realized that I'm that's actually not my strong suit. Like, I've just realized that it was coming from a place that isn't super helpful. I've kind of backed off yeah. on that the last few Yeah, like same. Well. We're, yeah, we're really similar in that respect because that's always where it came from with me, especially with COVID too, you know? I was just like, I would post things and I would be like, you guys know that taking vitamin D and, you know, maybe go find some ivermectin and some HCQ and make sure you take it with zinc and azithromycin. Like, it might help you if you catch COVID, if you catch, <laughs> like, the first strain that's particularly troublesome like you can maybe take some of these things and be better and people are like fuck you <laughs> you're you're killing people and i was like okay I'm just i'm just you know like and i'd be like i would say some things like you know i mean it is a pandemic right like plan the plant the idea that it's a plan in the sense that the virus is real but it was built by us like by fauci right and then it was leaked from a lab, whether intentionally or unintentionally, but that the fact that the, the treatments were completely suppressed mm -hmm. so that they could sell vaccines, that's true. That's a right. real thing that happened. And a lot of people died because Fauci in particular, who to me is like on par with Hitler. Like, I think, I think he's like one of the worst people who's ever lived. <laughs> he, he actually let a, a shitload of like millions of people die because he wanted because in, in america i don't know if this is true elsewhere but in america at least if there's a an approved treatment for a disease you can't have emergency use authorization on an experimental treatment like a vaccine so if it turned out that it, ivermectin or hcq or vitamin d had positive effects to the tune of i don't know 83 percent survival rate when you take them uh it would have nullified the emergency use authorization of the mrna vaccine mm -hmm. and so i think that like all that shit was 
actively suppressed. And I would say this kind of stuff, and people are like, you're killing people. I'm like, I don't, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm literally telling you that if you take this stuff, you you will probably survive COVID. Like, you probably Sounds will. like something a murderer would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm catcher. I'm basically a catcher. Like, I think I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> you falling down. Like, I'm the bad guy. Wait, am I the, was I the bad guy the whole time? Like all these people who took ivermectin or like they ate horse paste and died. <laughs> they uh, turned into horses is actually what They happened. turned into horses, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, the COVID thing was so weird. And that like, that's where I really uh, felt a connection to you because I feel like we're both very misunderstood in some mediums, but really good in others. I think you're really good. I think both of you are really good in this podcast medium, uh, but I don't think Twitter is either of our mediums at all. No. Um, and because I, uh, I had a, like a, you know, a pretty big follow, like a big momentum with my books and stuff. And unfortunately COVID like torched most of that. So I feel like I'm building a lot of this shit from the ground up because, uh, most writers are shit libs and, uh, they just were like, they basically, what's so funny about it is that they make this weird connection where everything's like in a, in a box together. Mm-hmm. So if you're an anti, if you're a pandemic guy like me, that also means you're probably an anti-Semite. You're probably homophobic. Yeah. You're probably transphobic. You know, all this like, and they just lump them all together. And that became really clear to me because I was looking at Twitter the other day and uh, Elon Musk, who, you know, fuck him. Elon Musk's not my friend. He's not my dad. Like, I don't love Elon Musk, but he did this tweet that said, uh, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci. Fauci, yeah. And uh, one of the first comments I saw was from somebody who was like, what's next? Holocaust denial? Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, oh, in these people's heads, all this shit is linked together. Together, yeah. Like, it's, 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 you can't, you can't separate that. Like, I'm not a Holocaust denier. I'm i I've been called a Sandy Hook denier, which is really funny. Uh, even though I'm, I'm not, uh, even though crisis actors are real, they do exist. We, we all know, th- we, we know this to be true, but, uh, hang on, that's um, a lot of nuance. I don't know if people can follow that, that yeah, I don't know if people can follow crisis like, actors are real and Sandy Hook did happen. Like those two, wait, things. how are those two things the same? How, how does, how does, how do those exist in the same world? Um, he's cute on. He's cute. Yeah, he's cute. And that's and that's the real thing, isn't it? It's the the um, discrediting or guilt by uh, association, but but not direct association, just of concepts. And that's only right. done through like media association. Like so, the whole QAnon thing is just there so that anybody who believes that any elites rape kids, right, are automatically not only a conspiracy theorist, but they're also an anti-vax murderer. And they're, and they're, yeah, all these things, racist. which, which by the way, I mean, just go read the Franklin scandal. I mean, the elites yeah. do rape, they do rape kids. They, they, they do it often. And it's so weird that it's culturally accepted that it happens in the Catholic church. You bring that up to anybody and you're like, Catholic priests rape kids. And they're like, oh, totally. Yeah. And like, and, and so do the Clintons. And they're like, are you an anti-Semite? Like, what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't know the Clintons were Jewish. What? <laughs> they're, they're, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, the but it'll be this, it's a, this. Yeah, exactly, man. It's this fucking crazy thing. It's like, oh, so you probably don't think climate change is real. 
And then when I, when they say that, I have to be like, what do you mean by, what do you mean by climate change? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're getting that nuance again. It's yeah, nuance good again. stuff. I mean, what do you mean? What exactly do you mean? Like a case by case basis. Let's talk about this, but I don't know. Yeah. It just, um, it's not a good, it's not a good, I like my mindset. I like where my head is at. You know, I'm not constantly tortured by my thoughts and I don't have a fucked up conscience. Yeah. You know, I I feel like I'm acting from a place of, uh, of, uh, principle. And so it doesn't like torture me on a day to day basis, but it is a bit frustrating to realize that you have to engage with a level of hypocrisy to sort of make it in artistic fields because you have to be like one or the other. Mm. Like you have to be Tucker or you have to be Rachel. You know what I mean? Like you you have to be like one of those two. But if you're somebody who can say with a straight face, like, oh, that Tucker segment was funny and he made some good points and then also a more difficult proposition in my mind watch a rachel maddow segment and say like oh yeah she said some things that were words you know uh, <laughs> we're waiting for the example what's he gonna come up with for this <laughs> yeah 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 i i can't i can't bring myself to do it but like but there are left-wing people who you know i mean noam chomsky's a a, a brilliant man who's written some you know uh, the people's history of the united states and shit well that, that was howard zinn uh Noam Chomsky did what was it that he did? I know that uh, manufacturing cons- cons- consent consent was that him? Okay, I think that's okay. Him. Well, that's the yeah. recent thing, but he you're right. He did he did some brilliant stuff back in the day. I think. Although- but Howard Zinn also said recently his 91 year old ass said on a podcast that people who didn't get a vaccine should be put into camps, and then he said, and if they can't figure out how to get food. guess they just have to figure that out so this man is calling for like concentration camps for people who don't get vaccines and i i just i want to go on to twitter this is where the twitter demon comes in you want to get onto twitter and be like does anybody else think this shit is fucked up that seems to be (laughs) like my whole social media persona is like just looking at something and just shouting into the void like does anybody else think that this is fucking weird this guy would say because I can't think of a anything. See, see that that's I where I think your approach is a little bit more polite than mine, because I find that mine tends to be more like out in the middle of like a, a, a slaughter fest, just like blood everywhere. And I'm just like laughing and <laughs> just like, join me, join me. <laughs> that's how yeah, I, no, I fuck by the time yeah, I get no, to Twitter. I fuck with that, yeah. yeah. And that's probably, in, in a lot of ways, it's probably smarter because, you know, you just like, I've seen so many things on Twitter over the past few years that have just really uh, soured me on the human race in general. It's just like, you know, from a, like we're, we're having a good conversation right now and I'm positive that we don't agree on everything. But if one of those things was to come, I mean, I have on my podcast, I have left like super left wing people who are like so left that I'm like, (laughs) Yeah, colonialism is fucked up, man. I agree. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we'll have super right wing people who are like, trans people aren't real. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's the, t- that's the real hard part is that like the, 
So not being into that that left side narrative, that box. Yeah. They the people that are outside of it want you to want to pull you towards the the sort of the like already manufactured bright side of that box, right? Yeah, they, one like, or the like, other. What, yeah, like what like yeah. like I had this I had this weird thing. I was uh you know Tim Cast? Mm. Uh Tim Pool? Temple, yeah, he has a lot of yeah. people on that are kind of. Y'all froze. Oh, it's just Kurt. Just <laughs> Kurt, as as he was making a point, he froze. <laughs> brutal, brutal. It's a Bad brutal way buddy. to do it. Kurt, come back to us. I have nothing to say. You gotta come back. What just happened? <laughs> There oh, you are. are you back? Hey. Okay, you're All back. Right. All right. I, I'm just, I'm just not gonna say anything. Apparently, I, whatever <laughs> I was gonna say was really bad. I, I, I try to take sides like that. Honestly, like sometimes I'll go to say something to my wife, and my son will scream over me, and then my wife will be like, "My wife will be like, what were you about to say?" And I was like, "It wasn't meant to be heard. It wasn't meant to be heard." <laughs> I just forget, and I'm like, "Oh, I don't think I. Yeah, it doesn't matter now. It's okay." Uh, right. I am interested in what you were going to say, though. You were saying something yeah. about Tim Pool. Oh, well, no, he has all these guests on that are, like, more to the right of stuff. And, like, a lot of them seem to be obsessed with Satan. And, like, they're, it's like that weird satanic panic thing is, like, coming back mm -hmm. and it's being treated really, uh, like, they're real scared huh. of it. Like, Satan. it's really strange. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's it's specifically... And it's, and it's funny because it's like, I, yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I get that the, there's satanic shit going on, but you can take a step back. You be, wait, hold on. Don't you believe in God? Isn't can't you just pray? And what, why are you so scared? Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's like my dad. My dad's like that. He's totally. Uh, my dad's a QAnon guy, right? Mm -hmm. Which is probably where I get it. Like if we were to talk genetics or whatever, if you look at my father, he's a full on Q, like january 6th type guy you know hmm. um and he's really concerned about demonic possession right yeah. and it's 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 interesting to have conversations with him because once you get into the weeds with my dad demonic possession will come up and it's kind of a conversation killer because yeah. he'll be like well that person's possessed and i'll be like okay yeah don't know like how do, how do you know that he'll be like well i mean look at him just, <laughs> just, just, just look at him. <laughs> and and i can't i can't you know i can't deny like that's where his mother my grandmother is like full-on like she's christian she's like mm -hmm. evangelical christian but she has full-on visions all the time you know and she's told me about them since i was a little kid so she's like she's full-on shaman mode right like she's talking mm. she's talking to jesus right on a on a regular basis and then that gets watered down through my dad who just sees demons everywhere and then you get to me who's the nice friendly um accessible psychopath <laughs> <laughs> who sees who sees ghosts literally every day <laughs> so you're you're more the uh, dashel and your dad's more the right he's the way yeah he's he's the more like he's the more fucked up like version of that and i just like i mean literally today i was walking out of my kitchen and i saw like a spirit fucking walking across my living room and i was like 
I mean, that's that's Wednesday. You know, how long I is mean, that? Was that was that something that was always mm -hmm. apparent to you, or was it something that developed over time? Since I was twelve, the first one that I saw was when I was twelve. I was living in Germany, and uh, I was living in a, a barracks that used to be they they were Nazi occupied, but then they were U.S. soldier occupied, and it was out in the country in Germany, and it was a four-story building, and we lived on the fourth floor. And uh, every apartment complex had had uh, four rooms, except for the top floor, where they broke down the wall between two different sections of the units. So you could have eight eight rooms. So we had one of the top floors with eight rooms, and uh, it was uh, like I thought it was super sick because we had this like epic long hallway that we could you know bowl in and shit like that. <laughs> and of course, like being eleven or whatever. I said, uh, I want the room at the very back and, you know, I would, I would wake up and my, my books would be getting rearranged and I would feel intense physical presences like in the room with me at the time. And, um, it got to the point that I finally moved out of that, that back room. But, uh, then I just started seeing like a soldier, like a, a world war two era German soldier in the house all the time. Like I go to leave the house and I turn back. He never had legs. Like he, he was always cut off at the knee and, um, it would just, it just popped up everywhere. And, uh, ever since then I went through a period of time, like in my late teens where I, I tried to turn that off, but it made like other weird mental illnesses, like go up. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I started to I started to get like odd like Tourette syndrome when I started ignoring the thing altogether. Like literally like ticks, like like tapping and you know OCD weird shit. And um, when I finally just like gave into it, it was really interesting because uh, I was in El Paso, and I remember pulling up to my house. I was living there with my wife my wife's sister and her two kids. And I pulled up to the house and I saw this massive, like eight foot tall shadow being like walk past my car, walk up my garage or up my driveway. I'm sorry, into my garage and then disappear. Hmm. And, uh, have you guys seen ghosts or spirits or whatever before? Like in like a sober, like it's, it's, it's oddly calm when you do it. Like you don't freak out. Like people like, well, I've never, I don't know. I've never freaked out. I've never been like, holy shit, like, what the fuck is that? You're just like, huh. So mm -hmm. I see that, and then I was like, okay, this is all, this this stuff is, like, coming back, right? Like, all this stuff that I've been seeing that I've been trying to push down that, like, have led to all these weird ticks, like, that was, like, very real, and it very much walked by my, my window. And I was like, okay, I'm going to forget that. And I'm not going to, like, we live a normal life. Normal, right? <laughs> And uh, a week later, my niece, who I live with, was standing at the kitchen window, and and she she was like she was like she was like David David come here she's like there's a really tall man standing in the backyard, <laughs> uh -huh. oh, and I I go out there's nobody there I was like what the fuck are you talking about she's like he was like a shadow he's like really tall he's standing in the backyard, <clears throat> and that was all I needed basically I was like okay so yeah I see stuff. So far, I haven't been able to solve crimes or tell the future. 
or <laughs> or like do anything really useful with this but i mean you know i walked into my old house when my son was born and there were constantly spirits and ghosts trying to go into his room and i would have to just go in and be like i can see you get the fuck out like not here or whatever and uh in this house that i've lived in as far as i know like nobody's even died but i don't understand enough about like what a spirit and ghost ecosystem even looks like whether they need to be dead people or whether they need to be other things but all i know is like i mean today literally today i there was one in my living room it was just there and didn't do anything did like, the um like are they well I, I would say when the when it's a person it's it's likely that it's a ghost but but there are the possibilities that people leave really strong impressions without having to die in a place, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's mostly, it's mostly sh like the one that I saw when I was 12 was unique for how detailed it was, but it's mostly yeah. shades. It's mostly shades moving, you know, like human forms that move. Um, and uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, no, you're good. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't actually see things. Right. But I, I usually, um, it's pretty rare that I will see a thing. And if I do, it's usually in my mind and not with my eyes. Mm -hmm. Yes, but, um, same, same. Mm -hmm. But I've always been kind of envious of like people that get yeah. to see actual things because I think that's cool and easier. I feel like it would be easier for me to navigate personally. Mm -hmm. But what I get is like when I was in Germany, and I will attest to Germany being a an ocean of ghosts. Like mm -hmm. it is just brutal if you're someone who perceives things there because but but for me it wasn't individuals it was a constant like stream of negative thoughts and um uh, horrible emotions and fear and oh, shit. Um, anger and all these things and it was like a like i would use prayers that i have to to elevate the dead and call in saints and angels to help and it would clear out the apartment and i'd like refresh all the wards and like all the you know every entrance to the house would have some protective thing and um maybe do like some floor wash and some and it would be like a day or two later i'd have to do it again and or mm -hmm. or i would get like to a place where i forget how much it's bothering me because i'm so influenced and then mm -hmm. i get into a depressive pit like that whole six months was like an initiatory experience in in learning how to deal with ghosts and be like in the thick of it and and put up your boundaries and shit so like yeah, yeah. but there is There's... interesting stuff that can happen where you can you can end up like having ones that you have helped or elevated come back and help you later right i'd like to get more into that i'd like to start to figure out how to interact because the most that it comes down to is like if you see a fucking like if a stray cat wandered in and you were like, hey, get out of here. Like, you don't hate the cat, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like a cockroach or something. You're like, you, you, you're, dude, you don't, I'm allergic to you. Like, you can't be in here. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's normally that kind of thing. It was really funny. There was one time that I was talking to a, like a, kind of a, a Twitter, my buddy Grant used to date this girl who was like a, a really popular, like a hundred thousand followers tarot reader. And we were talking on the phone and uh, for whatever reason we sent each other selfies. I don't know what it was. I was fucked up or something. I don't know. 
and and she was like go back and look at that photo again and like in the photo like in the iphone picture there's like this huge shadow thing like st- like standing next to me she's like what is that and i was like oh that's just like the thing that lives here. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh i would like to learn how to just talk to him i guess just be like hey what's like bro what's your what's your what's your but that's to me that's the reason why like that's why i'm involved in like rune soup and uh and all this kind of stuff it's it i I didn't come to it through like a like a philosophical or a logical kind of thing it's just like i'm you guys have talked to me for two hours now like i'm a normal guy right and like that's just part of normal reality to me so mm. <laughs> like well, the rune soup stuff just like makes sense like if somebody yeah. tells me like oh i saw like a ghost i'm like cool yeah no, I... <laughs> they're 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 out there bro <laughs> like they're, they're 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 walking around that's interesting because i think a lot of people's struggle is like coming to terms with this stuff being real and and even convincing their rational mind to accept it and all these things. yeah right right so it's interesting to just have it be yeah like of course and that's that's how it should be and i think that's what people are like trying to get back to but yeah it should be normal mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be normal it should it should be normal the only spooky time that i've ever had with extra dimensional beings or ghosts or spirits or whatever you want to call them was when my wife and i went to santa fe on vacation right so we went to santa fe and on the way there, we were living in El Paso at the time, so Santa Fe is like a four or five hour drive. I had an episode of the Higher Side Chats queued up to listen to, and it was with David Paulides, the missing 411 guy, oh, shit. and I, I didn't listen to it, right? I didn't, I turned on something, I turned on like uh, Come Town or something like that. I was like, I want to have like a lighthearted drive to this or whatever, and uh so I turn that off, listen to Come Town, we get to Santa Fe, we check into our Airbnb, and we're going hiking on the Santa Fe Trail. So we get our water and our backpacks and stuff, and we start hiking on this trail. And we start off, and the whole trail is shaped like a triangle. It's about two miles. And on the first leg, that first third, we're passing people. They're saying, hi, how's it going, right? having a good hike and i'm like yeah good hike how are you and then the second hike like all human beings disappear from this hike right it's just empty and where it's it's me my wife and my dog who was a little bit more she was still old but she was still spry at the time we're, we're walking this trail and there's just like nobody and we're like this is a little fucking weird and then we meet two people right two hikers and they are pale as fuck. They're like the gentleman from Buffy, right? Just like totally washed out of all color. And they pass us, and when they're talking to us, they're like, they say, uh, like, how is your hike going? It's a great day, isn't it? And we're like, yeah, it's good, I guess. Yeah, it's cool. And then the third hike, the third leg of that triangle is like the hike from hell. We're like, we're walking and we are literally in this like time slip, right? We felt like we were in there for like 10 hours. Uh, Rios, my wife, she got like really tired. She kept getting tired and she like couldn't, she kept being like, like, oh, I just, 
Hold on, we have to stop for a second. My dog is oblivious to all this the whole time, just sniffing shit. And we're seeing shit moving through the trees, like shit flitting through. And, and we don't say anything, by the way. This is what's really funny about the trip is that neither of us are speaking of the evil that's like around <laughs> us as we're walking on the second half. We keep hearing voices coming towards us. And then when we get to the voices, there's nobody there, you know? So it's this whole like just bizarre, spooky kind of thing. Uh, and then once we get in the car, we're like, wasn't that fucking, was that fucking weird? And then the other one's like, yeah, it was fucking weird. Like, did you see all the fucking shit in the woods? And like, like how long were we in there for? And it's like, I, according to the watch, it was about 30 minutes. But like, I don't, I don't know, dude. Like, it seemed fucking weird to me. Anyway. God, that's... We're on, our, we're on our drive back home. And I finally turn on that Higher Side Chats episode with David Paulides. <laughs> and... Greg is talking to to David and he's like so you've done a lot of work in Yellowstone man that's that shit's fucking crazy like there's there's all kinds of people missing out there and, and Paulie's I swear to god the first thing he says is like my main focus has been Yellowstone but I've started to shift my focus to Santa Fe because <laughs> a lot of disappearances are happening in Santa Fe right now and I was like <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me, bro? <laughs> Straight up saw two men in black on the trail. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just fucking nuts, man. And it was so funny, too, because neither of us, we were like the way that you would be in a snowstorm or something when you're both getting frostbite and you're getting a little tired. Like, you're not going to mention it to the other person. You can be like, we're good, right? Like, we're going to keep going. They're like, mm-hmm, I'm good. But as soon as you get back to shelter, you're like, that's fucked up. I almost died. <laughs> well, you know it's serious when you don't freak out in the moment together out loud. Like, when, right. when you're so deeply like, oh, this is a thing that you wait until you're out of the situation to even speak of it. That's- yeah, this is, some, this is some fucking high weirdness that we're in right now. And we need to keep it together or we will wander off into the woods and never be seen again yeah i i, I <coughs> it's like i had this um there's a there's a thing in like ancient japan where like since everything was made out of paper everybody knew everybody's business but they pretended mm-hmm. not to mm-hmm. and so i think what saved you was actually not saying and acknowledging any of it mm-hmm. it's like i feel like if you actually <laughs> was like what the fuck and then, and then they're like ah we got you <laughs> dude i think you might be fucking right i think you might be right and that speaks to uh my wife and i's relationship tactics that have gotten us we're going on our uh january 24th will be our 16th year wedding anniversary wow like congratulations that's, that, that's yeah. our long that's our longevity secret is that we in the moment don't talk about shit just wait give it a couple days and then be like hey remember a few days ago when you fucking when you said i had a small dick and you didn't like me like (laughs) (laughs) oh it was it was a ghost dick don't worry it was a ghost it was just a ghost dick yeah yeah you you just you like if you never say anything in the moment i think that's actually the the key to long-lasting relationships is like letting letting shit stew for a little bit just being Mm -hmm. Just being mad by yourself for a little bit, being like this fucking bitch, she doesn't fucking. Really get it. And then 
like you wait and you wait and you go to talk to her like oh my god like i love this person more than anybody in the fucking world like how could i think those horrible thoughts about her and then when you finally tell her you're like you know it was a, it was a thing and and then i got over it and i love you and then you fuck it's great it's awesome <laughs> we've only been married two years and my wife is like the sweetest kindest person i've ever known like she's a saint and um mm-hmm. But it's only been two years. So, like, I'm going to remember this in because I'm, sure. yeah. I'm sure. Bro, when you get to year, like, 10, you just be, yeah. just shut the fuck up, bro. Just don't say anything. Just don't say shit. Just be like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just just be like the old couple in scalped where like there's a whole other conversation happening there's a heads. whole that's that Aaron really touched on something with that. It's like there is a whole other conversation because I'm like, I mean, I'm on a she's much more of a kind of she's far left i'll say that right like she's she's like a far left type person and i have been that kind of person before and i've been in those i've been in like some really kind of hardcore uh like leftist anarchist groups um that uh actually is what soured me on being that far left on things Mm -hmm. um but i don't i don't argue with her about anything even if i like if, if i dis the whole thing is like if i disagree with you like who gives a shit you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> okay so we disagree how is that constructive at all you know <laughs> like i like i like to try to meet people where they're at and uh i guess that's why i can talk to people on my podcast who are from all different areas because i can be like okay cool like you're like a crazy vegan whatever like that's cool i might i might try veganism why not i'll give it a shot <laughs> Uh, and then I can talk to somebody who thinks that like being trans is fake, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like tell me more about that, you know? Because what, what's funny because that's basically the same philosophy you're talking about, where you just rip off the world, like you just yeah. don't don't be an ego, don't try to insert yourself into it, don't have an ego about it, yeah, let it be don't what care. it is, yeah. I don't care. I, I mean, I I don't I don't care. I, yeah, which know. like that is that innocent exploration. Um, kind of attitude of just like what how do you think i'm not gonna judge you i just want to like hear about it and mm-hmm. and nowadays it's like uh you're guilty for giving that person a platform <laughs> people don't like it the, oh uh, the platforming thing is huge right that's just the, crazy the, it's like what if you yeah. what if you're equally giving it to both sides what if you're uh mm-hmm. what if you're just exploring it's it's almost like the whole point is to partition off the innocent exploration and make that illegal i think right. you're right I think you're dead right. And I think that, I think that people who use, who see, and I've seen this used against you before and like, oh, asking that question is like hurtful. Mm. My response to that is like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) My response to that is if you're insecure with your answers. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't like, wait, so ask, asking a question is hurtful. Like, it really seems like you need to do some work yeah to get to the point where that question doesn't hurt your feelings because i can't think of anybody asking a question unless that question is like is j david osborne the biggest piece of shit who's ever lived (laughs) all other questions to me wouldn't offend me like i don't get offended if people say like are are white people responsible for all this kind of you know pain and suffering i'm like maybe probably i don't know it's it's mostly me 
I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're you're the you're the white guy. I'm the I'm the white guy. <laughs> you are the white guy. It's like a good example. No, no, I'm right? the like, white. Yeah, the the white, right? Like it's it's just like I mean I don't I don't I mean why would that hurt my feelings? You know, yeah. like oh straight white men do this, and a lot of people get upset about that. And I'm like we do be doing that shit. That is true. I think I think that's touching on like the. <laughs> like no one no one believes that anyone else is sincere anymore so like when you sincerely ask a question on on twitter people are like well this is loaded because it's on twitter mm. like by default this is someone with an agenda because of the platform i think mm -hmm. i think that might be a lot of it. like i think you're a right, blog yeah. post exploring a topic that like exploring a difficult question on a blog post or something and like what, yeah was there was there a time for either of you where you I'm just going to say that, like, I've never, I don't have a Twitter account. I've never understood it. Was there a time when it was like a different thing where you like yeah. enjoyed it? Yeah, I like, did. I did. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed it. There was a time where Twitter was really weird and, um, and all leftists like kind of like universally hated big pharma, rich people. It was agreed that like those were the bad guys. That was when it was fun. Mm -hmm. And then shit got weird for obvious reasons <laughs> like all of a sudden pharma was no longer the bad guy and you were like racist and weird if you didn't like pharma and also like you couldn't just laugh at donald trump like, i don't know why people can't just laugh at that guy because like some of the shit he says is it's pretty fucking funny like he'll say some shit and it's funny and it's like, objectively funny yeah. like, i don't have to agree with him i just think that he's kind of funny but uh, no, at one point, at one point, Twitter was fun. Although I will say that the blog was when I got the biggest canceled. I got the biggest canceled because I defended Alex Jones, and oh, I, really? I said, oh. and I I made a critical error. So I I tasked myself with writing a blog post every day, and something that, like a, a a just a fucking problem that I had with that discourse at that time was the alex jones sandy hook thing which are you guys alex jones fans have you watched any of his shit i am, I am like uh i appreciate this phenomenon and force of nature <laughs> like objectively mm -hmm. uh almost like uh like looking at the world creating an art project mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah he's uh he's he's kind of gone through he's also gone through a weird arc um what's what's really weird is like whether you like him or not like how he's being treated and railroaded is really not good right yeah. so alex jones is one of my heroes um alex jones broke into bohemian grove uh he's been right about a lot of th things he has a very bombastic and semi-allegorical metaphorical way of talking about things but once you kind of get into the groove about how he talks you sort of understand what he means um and i see him as a as a person who is like a hyoka clown trickster figure but who also has a lot of wisdom if you're willing yeah. to listen to it um so it's a it's an it's an extremely complex i started watching alex jones uh back in 2003 on the internet uh like early internet back when w bush was president and like he was super anti-W, and so was I, because all the bands that I like were anti-George W. Bush. So I was like, I was anti-Iraq War, I was I was anti-W, and Alex Jones was fucking right there, right? 
<laughs> but then Obama became president. And he was anti him too. And I was like, okay, mm. interesting. Yeah. I was excited about Obama. Why is, why is Alex not super into Obama? Kept listening. And I was like, oh, it's all part of the same shit. Yeah. I kind I hopped off the train with him, uh, with the Trump stuff. I think that the, like him supporting Trump to the, uh, and I'm not like, if 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 you think that like I'm I'm skittish about Trump because I'm scared, like fuck that, like I don't care. I'll say whatever. Trump's the best president we've ever had. I don't care. But like <laughs> I think that like he was uh, kind of he kind of lost his own way by all of a sudden supporting this guy. Uh, and I think I think also Alex Jones got Donald Trump elected. I I think he rallied a lot of people who wouldn't have otherwise voted to vote for Donald Trump. But anyway, so I made this post about I thought it was Sand- the Russians. What are you talking about? No, yeah, well, it's them too. I mean, <laughs> God God bless him. God is the the best the best fucking president we've ever had. Um, but uh, so I wrote this post because I kept seeing all the Sandy Hook stuff, and this is when the trial was first starting and. People were starting to craft this narrative about how Alex Jones had harassed these families and all this kind of stuff. Bro, in the Sandy Hook shit, Alex Jones didn't do anything differently than what was going on in the soup of the internet at the time. Like, a lot of motherfuckers thought that Sandy Hook was a hoax. Not just Alex Jones. And Alex Jones, by the way, he cried when... Uh, Sandy Hook happened. He immediately thought it was a conspiracy, but he thought that the U.S. government had sent shooters in to kill these kids. Basically, like he still thought it was a false flag, but he thought that you know the government had something to do with it. And then time went on, and his uh, you know his listeners who are you know keyed into the internet and all this kind of like false flag crisis actor shit or. So eventually, Alex Jones finally said, I've seen the evidence, and I don't know. It might have been a false flag. That was it. Mm. That's all he did. Mm. That's all all he did. And I wrote that in a post, and to this day, I still get DMs like, how's Mr. Uh, Sandy Hook denier doing? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So now I'm a Sandy Hook denier too, right? Because I... So that's that's what Twitter is now. It's like you just you just can't say anything. Well, it's it's like a disease of like people are now incapable of taking another person at their word. Yeah, I think I think if I was you and I had all the money in the world, I would just move to Sandy Hook and then like, <laughs> set up residence there. I don't know what you would do with that. And set up that's, that's set up fucking one. set up fucking paintball games at the elementary school to like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trauma release ritual don't you understand it's a tra- why is everybody so mad it's uh it's pretty late there and it's been well over well over time i think yeah cool man yeah that was just great Please have me back on to talk about something else. I, I think you guys are great. I love your podcast. And uh, I just feel like I could talk to you guys for seven hours. So uh, same, same. Any, any, and like, don't be shy. Like, don't be shy if it's like a month or two from now and you got something else. Like, there doesn't have to be a time 
limit. I just like talking to you guys. So yeah, um, this has been great. Me, have, have have me back on. <laughs> have me back on soapbox. Well, maybe maybe stray bullets. You want to do stray bullets? Yeah, maybe stray bullets. I've I've never read it, so I'm down for anything. Fuck, You'll yeah, like let's it. Let's do stray bullets like next. It. Like we can we can be your outlet for when you find something you really want to do, and it's not got Japanese people in it. Um, Sounds good. Because I yeah I don't know I mean, we've said it on other shows I don't know if you've heard but like. Like this is the, this show only exists because Agitator exists. Like it was you and Kelby that I was like finally like fuck it we're doing we're doing it. We're that's doing it. awesome. So well yeah, so I'm happy to hear deal. that. And then Kelby will be on next week. Yeah. Oh Kelby be on. Yeah. Good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no no that's really cool to hear. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that and uh, just you know. As far as I can spread the message of just do cool shit and talk about shit that you like, I really think that that's my that's my one coherent message that I have besides seeing ghosts and <laughs> thinking cultural appropriation is cool and that COVID is fake and that racism isn't real and that anti-Semitism is questionable and you know, all that other stuff, you know. Uh, yeah, you gotta <laughs> care about what you love and then talk about it with other people because that is the medicine for like basically media terrorism, which is the game, you know? Actually, totally. I, I actually, you could, uh, I was talking with our, our friend, Tim Saylor, who are like, I guess our sister show Nightbird. Yeah. Um, we, we were, we were, me and him were talking about like the real, the real trick is to like one up the conspiracy, like make you make them think that you're on your side. So, so I think the next step would be like, Oh, well, you know, Alex Jones isn't real. <laughs> no that's fucking tight that's cool yeah that's like uh you know like oh you're just like a alex jones like wait who <laughs> oh you that's cute you still believe in alex jones oh my god or you just oh. totally pull a mandala effect yeah. <laughs> never heard of him never exist. heard of him what are you talking about well you, didn't you do all those posts about like who do you think what are you talking about? like what is the sandy hook <laughs> do you mean the conspiracy kind of podcaster alice jones is that who you're alice? Doing? oh i love that that's great oh alice jones is crazy yeah she's a, she's a nut all right i'm gonna go get ready for in for for danish class and go to school all right bro, oh, bro. shit all right <laughs> have fun this has been great thanks this so has much. been awesome all right thanks so fellas awesome. <laughs> Bye. All right.